Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, Knight fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon & Partners. Since 1993, Gordon and Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust, so contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions. Visit their website, fortheinjured.com, or text 407-913-5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody. Trust the best. And trust a knight. Gordon and Partners. For the Injured. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports, with your distinguished host, Adam. Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest. And Mike. You know, last year, I think I said about 30 people in the UCF, Sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Now, here are the guys. Hello, one and all. Welcome back to the Sons of UCF, episode number 204. My name is Adam, and as always, my friend and yours, a happy UCF Mike is back for another week. What's up, Mike? What's going on, man? Another glorious weekend. Another mm. big victory for us. Like I said, the train is still rolling, and now we set up a big, huge game in New Orleans this weekend. Just like we circled it before the season, Mike, UCF and Tulane for the conference. And we all had this one on the calendar, but here we are. We'll get to all that in a little bit. Obviously, we're brought to you by our good friends at Gordon and Partners, part of the 1012 Network, part of the Sports Drink family. Mike, a fun show tonight. We got cows, we got picks, we got trends, we got headlines. I got a couple of top five lists. I got like 15 top five lists here. So just prepare accordingly. Obviously, a football game to recap, a football game to preview, and basketball season is tipping off. Mike, you and I were recording on Monday. Uh, the women are trouncing Winthrop as we speak. Uh, the men are playing a little bit, and women's soccer is going to the tournament, Mike. A ton of stuff going on in and around UCF sports. We'll try to get all that covered for you here. Do us a favor, though. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel at Sons of UCF. We have a bunch of content either already up or coming up soon. So don't go anywhere, Mike. Uh, your impressions of Saturday, obviously. Uh, Mikey King got the start. I think we all kind of expected that. Uh, bit of an up and downer. Uh, there were times where it looked a little bit bleak. But the Knights get their uh, uh, long-awaited conference road win for the season here, 35-28 over Memphis. Your thoughts on Saturday or what? Well, the road wins have been tough to come by in conference the last couple seasons. Uh, so it was a tough game. You know, it was close. Go tie game going into the fourth quarter. We uh, put up a couple scores there to give us a little breathing room. And we needed it because Memphis was making a little bit of a comeback. 
And, you know, it's a good win. It's a good win on the road. We covered the spread. We won by seven. Uh, you really can't complain uh, when, when you take care of business like that. Yeah, it's a good hard-fought win. I think people, you know, I, I were, you know, you and I are just as guilty of this as anybody. Um, and Gus says it all the time in his press conference. It's just tough to win sometimes on the road in college football. You saw it this weekend, right? You saw Clemson go to Notre Dame and get beat. Obviously, you saw Tennessee go to Georgia and get killed. Uh, you saw Alabama go to LSU and lose. It's just tough to go on the road and win games sometimes. And it's not always going to be pretty. And this one certainly wasn't pretty. And there are plenty of things we, we could have done better. But the reality is we come out with a W. We put ourselves in position to now continue on with our journey journey continue on with having our goals in front of us yeah it wasn't pretty mike but again it's not easy to win these games on the road if it was everybody would be undefeated all the time yeah and you know we will take the win at this point in the season now it's just about getting the wins and moving on to the next week and setting yourself up for a chance to play in the championship game and that's exactly what we've done now we got to go on the road again this back-to-back weeks now and this is gonna be a mm-hmm. tougher opponent and let's see if we can k- take care of business again and if we do that this week we're set up, and we've got two of the easier games on the schedule to end the regular season. Uh, everything is lining up exactly the way we play. We'll go through our categories here in a bit, Mike. Uh, what was more concerning for you? Was it the way the offense was a little bit sputtering at times, or was it the play of the defense against Memphis? I mean, the way the defense has played all season, now the last couple of weeks kind of giving up points, a little too much of this bend-don't-break defense we've seen. And a couple of times they have broken and Memphis was able to put some points on the board. That got me a little concerned, but you know, we saw a couple of times there, they got turnovers, which we haven't seen all year. We got a couple of those this week that helped out. And when it came down to crunch time there in the fourth quarter, they made a couple of stops there when they needed to. So overall pretty good performance, but definitely could have been better on defense. Yeah, it feels like our road defense is much different than our home defense. It feels like we saw the exact same style of defense against ECU where they kind of carved us up. Obviously, this time, to your point, the turnovers were the difference, right? Last time, we gave the ball away four times. This time, zero or only one time, rather. And we got zero takeaways this time, too. That seemed like the def- the, the difference between the two. But the defense, and between the 20s, kind of got carved up. We got lucky in a couple of missed field goals. Uh, you know, uh, Memphis's kicker apparently was supposed to be really good going into the game. So that was kind of a break on our part. But definitely, we need to see the defense step up this week against Tulane uh, and that may be tricky looks like some injuries Mike um, Jeremiah John Baptiste would I, I appears to be a concussion to get hit in the head on a targeting call that the tight end on Memphis targeted two guys on the same play you gotta uh, you gotta applaud him for efficiency on that one uh, he went out didn't come back Quadric Bullard was seen with a knee brace and uh, and crutches after the game uh, who knows what his status is and Devon Wilson looked like he was injured as well Mike not a good time for injuries particularly on the defensive side of the ball yeah that's gonna hurt we need those guys to come back uh, hopefully Baptiste is okay. He gets cleared this week, but definitely we need all those guys, all hands on deck for this two lane offense, which looks like they have some weapons that we may have to uh, be worried about. Yeah. I mean, so the same, there's, there's a, there's a Watts there still. I don't know if it's Deuce Watts or fat Watts. One of the Watts is still there. Uh, Michael Pratt, their quarterback. We've seen him a few years now in a row. Uh, Tajay Spears. I think he's been there since you and I were juniors in college, but he is, uh, he's still there. Um, so they have definitely have weapons on, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and that's a that's a big one, Mike. It's a, a 3.30 kick. Uh, college game day decides to bypass it, though. They're going to go to TCU, Texas. Were you Did you want game day there, even though it wasn't for UCF? What were your thoughts on game day potentially being there and then them not actually being there? Yeah, it doesn't really affect me at all. I mean, it would be cool if they were going. You know, it gives you a little more juice to the game. But, yeah. It doesn't matter. I, to be honest, I haven't watched an episode of Game Day all season. 
I couldn't tell you what other cities they've been to. I know that they were going to come to UCF for the Cincinnati game. That didn't end up happening. There was talks of it happening this week. Um, it got shafted for a, a Big 12 game, which in the years coming up, you know, we're going to be getting the benefits of, of being in the Big 12. And we're going to have the – if it's this game for us next year, it, it probably is a game day game. And we got bypassed. It, it sucks for the people in Tulane. I mean, they've mm-hmm. never had game day. Um, they, this is the first time that they're playing a ranked opponent while also being ranked since like 1949. Uh, it would have been a, a, a really cool day for them. Uh, they got to show they could have showcased their their campus and their stadium and all that stuff. But you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because they're not going to go there. I mean, the exposure would have been great for UCF, right? We'd have been on TV for a bunch of hours. Um, you know, probably got a feature or two about UCF, so the exposure would have been fantastic. And again, this this is really for all the marbles, Mike. I mean, you said earlier we control our own destiny. Obviously, uh, Tulane is uh, sitting at one conference loss at this point. Um, um, actually, zero conference loss. I take that back. Right? Uh, we have the one conference loss, so this is our opportunity to uh, even that up and then and then sort of leapfrog them in the head to head. Um, what concerns you most about this game? What thinking about Tulane uh, and what you've seen of them? And I'm sure in small doses, what you've seen at UCF. What concerns you most about coming up and playing Tulane? Yeah, you mentioned the weapons that they have, but for us, it's been lack of consistency, really, week to week. So I, I'm not sure which team of ours is going to show up. Is it the team that came out and beat up on Temple and put 70 points on the board? Or is it the team that struggled on the road against East Carolina and couldn't get off the field? That's kind of what I'm worried. I'm more worried about ourselves than I am about Tulane being a better team. I think we have the talent to beat them. We, we know the guys on this team that can do things, the, the receivers, the running backs, now Mikey Keene. Looks like he's playing pretty well, too. As long as the defense is shows up the way they have for the majority of the year, I think we'll be okay. Well, let's talk about the probably the biggest topic people want to talk about, Mike, is do we have a quarterback controversy? Gus said no. There is no controversy. Then today, asked who the starter was. He was like, yeah, we're not really sure. Uh, so at this point, Mike, we have no idea who the starting quarterback is going to be. Obviously, Mikey Keene played uh, against Memphis. Lead, led us to a victory. He's now played the last six quarters uh, in two games. UCF has won. Obviously, John Rice Plumley played prior to that. Um, conflicting reports on, on Plumley's status. Um, I think Gus had said he was cleared prior to the game against Memphis, but uh, didn't get a lot, a lot of practice reps, Mike. Um, and so Mikey gets the nod. You would think that if, if Plumlee was cleared uh, to play at Memphis, he'd be cleared to play at Tulane. So that, I assume that means we have a healthy John Rice Plumlee. But obviously now you've seen Mikey in the field. You've seen the offense play a little bit differently than we saw under the Plumlee style. Um, so do we have a quarterback controversy? I don't think so. I think it's clear now. Mikey has played really good the last game and a half. And I think he's earned the, the right to be the starting quarterback. Uh, the, the offense has looked pretty solid. He, he threw for three touchdowns this week. The game before against Cincinnati, he did the job against a very good defense. Um, I, I like the way the offense runs under Mikey. I think we're, it's a little more balanced with the run and pass. Um, so t- in my eyes, no. And I understand Gus not saying it just to give Tulane that extra little thing to think about. But I think it's pretty clear to him and the rest of the team that Mikey's going to be the quarterback. Yeah, I would think so too, right? I think Gus knows who he wants to be quarterback, right? I, I think he understands that. I, to your point, why why say that to Tulane or anybody right now? Like, make him prepare for both. Make him have to worry about both. Um, I'll go, I, I don't know how much that really impacts them, Mike. But um, 
So you think you think Mikey Keene has earned this job. So based on what you've seen, you think that he has taken this job. People are going to argue with you and go, hey, Pumley had some really big games. He was player of the week a couple of times. He put up multiple games of 700 total yards in offense. How can you say that Mikey Keene is better? So how can you say Mikey Keene is better? What is your evidence? What is your proof that Mikey Keene runs this offense better? Well, look at the competition that Plumley put those numbers up against. His biggest games are, again, South Carolina State and Temple. And I guess you could say he played a good second half against SMU. But other than that, I mean, when he played any defense with a pulse, Louisville, Georgia Tech, East Carolina, he looked bad in those games. Mikey, on the other hand, played against probably the best defense we've seen all year in Cincinnati and played very well. And then went on the road here at a a pretty tough Memphis team and played well again. So to me, I think it's clear that Mikey's played better. But do you think that's clear to Gus? I mean, Gus is one stubborn SOB. Like, I think we've seen that. I think we know that. After everything you said, and I think a lot of folks who are listening to the show and watch the game probably felt the same way. Do you think Gus will make the same decision? Do you think he'll have the uh, the ability to go, you know what? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Mikey Keene, which is kind of low-key admitting that maybe he was incorrect early on, unless you want to hide behind the Plumley injury thing and say he's still not ready. We want to keep him safe. But do you think Gus is going to have the stones to go, hey, you know what? Never mind. Mikey is my QB. I hope so. <laughs> Gus has to do what's best for the team. And right now, I think you put Mikey in that starting quarterback, it puts the the team in the better position to win the games. And that's all that really matters. And if Gus is too stubborn to realize that and just wants to go back to Plumlee because that was his decision two months ago, then I think that's a really dumb move out of Gus. You kind of wonder what Plumlee thinks about this, right? I mean, uh, you know, he's seen the offense the last six quarters. You know, does he kind of see how they play differently? Um, does, I wonder what his what his kind of thoughts and feelings are. A lot of people obviously are always assuming with Plumlee, his future is not in football. I think everyone kind of recognized. I think he said in a few interviews that, you know, baseball is probably his path down the road. Um, obviously, head injuries are pretty serious. I wonder if, if this what what his perspective on all this is having seen the way the teams responded to Mikey. I wonder if there's an element of JRP where, where even an honest moment, he says, Hey, maybe, maybe this is the best thing for the team. Maybe that crosses his mind as a competitor. You would think he'd just want to be back out on the field. Uh, maybe a little selfishly just wants to get back on the field. Even if he thinks Mikey, the team is better off with Mikey, but you never know. You, you mentioned him thinking his future is in baseball. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a little part of him that just says, hey, you know what? The team did look better with Mikey on the field. I'm here if you need me. And if you need me to come in for a couple of plays or if you need me to come in, if something happens to Mikey, I'm ready to go. But um, you would think the competitive juices would tell him, I want to get back out on the field. I, I don't know. I, I can't get inside the brain of a 20-year-old kid at this point. I think he's like 22. Yeah. Well, I feel like you could do that. And he also did take that shot a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you're talking about serious health issues here uh, have a cte all that stuff is real stuff in football and maybe he's thinking long term down the road if i'm not gonna play professional football i'm not gonna go my dream is not to go to the nfl my dream is to go to play major league baseball what am i really risking here you know uh for the betterment of my health uh, i might be better off just being the backup quarterback yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be a, a, a real interesting act of maturity if he said, hey, you know what, I, honestly, I'm just going to bow out of this thing and I'll let Mikey take the reins from here. Um, I, I, I said, I suppose anything's possible. Um, to your point, competitors, you would think that a competitor maybe would, would, 
would think differently. But if you're also a competitor and someone who's like a quasi captain of this team, maybe you say, Hey, this is the best thing for the team right now. The, the team is riding the hot hand, you know, to your point, I'm here if you need me, you know, if Mikey, you know, has a shoelace that gets tangled or his helmet pops off for a play, or, you know, he's got to sit out because, you know, his, his shoulder pad broke, like I'll, I'll get in there and I'll, I'll give you my all. But, um, so, so you're of the camp that uh, on 3.30 on Saturday, Mikey Keene is going to come trotting out there to take the uh, first nap. Yes, I believe Mikey okay. Keene is the quarterback now for the rest of this season. And now there's not to say JRP is not going to get some playing time. We have a game against Navy and a game against the Cows where you're thinking and hoping we, those should be blowout games. We should be up big at the half. Maybe JRP gets back in there again for the second half of those games, some mop-up duty. But when it comes down to crunch time, I think Mikey Keene is the man from now on. All right. Well, how scared are you with Tulane at this point? Uh, give me your confidence level going into this one. Obviously, it's a road game for UCF, not the place that we've been the strongest here this season so far. Um, Tulane is a is a pretty good team. They beat a Kansas State team uh, already. Um, they beat Memphis uh, by a pretty uh, uh, similar margin. I think it was 38-28 they beat Memphis. Um, they, they beat ECU pretty handily, which we obviously did not. Um, so give me your, give me your confidence level going into, uh, into Tulane. They're a good team. They're a good team. I'm a, I'm a little nervous as I am for any big game, but I think if we play the, the caliber of football, we're capable of playing. We can go in there and win this game on the road. Um, now I'm going to be, have a little bit of butterflies going into the game. Probably it's, it's, it's a big one. When was the last time we had a ranked matchup? You know, both teams ranked on the road, regular season game uh, that had these kinds of implications. It's been a while. So yeah, I was trying to think about that earlier. I don't, I can't even remember the last one where where we were two te- where we were ranked and another team was ranked as well on the road. Yeah, um, it wasn't this past season. Obviously, we haven't been ranked ranked in yeah. a while. Twenty nineteen, early in the year, but uh, we went Pittsburgh to Pittsburgh. Wasn't ranked. No. Yes, yeah, so you have to probably go back to 18, and I don't even know who was on that schedule. Uh, I got it right behind me here. Uh, no, nobody was ranked then. 2017, the end of the year, we played the Cows at home. Oh, you know what? What about 2018? What about Memphis? Were they not ranked when we went in there and with the Let's Go Bone game? Possibly, maybe not. Let's check that out. I don't but, know if they were or not, but I'll check that. Yeah. This is a, you know, this is a huge game, just like those. And we've been lucky enough to have a lot of these big games at home recently. The Cincinnati game was at home this year. Um, those games in 17 and 18, we had a lot of them at home. Except to this, Memphis was not ranked. We were 11th, Memphis unranked. Okay. They were four they and three were, at that time. Yeah, oh, they were a good team, four and three. Well, and they still made it to the championship game. Um, but yeah, this is a big one. This is a very this for the winner of this game is in the driver's seat. If we win this game, we're almost assuring ourselves a spot in the championship game. Uh, Tulane still has to play Cincinnati on the very last game of the season. So one of those is going to have two losses. We're going to have the tiebreaker over both of them. So, I mean, we're basically writing our ticket for the championship game if we win this one. Houston's already got two losses. East Carolina's already got two losses. Um, We're in very good shape. If we lose now, then we got to start hoping for other teams to lose. We got to hope for Houston to lose another game or we got to hope for uh well like I said Cincinnati and Tulane play each other yeah, yeah. but we're yeah we're gonna need Tulane to beat Cincinnati to give them their second loss we're gonna need it'll come down to tiebreak imagine this possible there's a four-way tie with teams with two losses say we lose to Tulane we have two losses Tulane 
loses uh, Tulane beats Cincinnati. So Cincinnati will have two losses. It'll be us, East Carolina, Houston, and uh, us, Cincinnati, Houston, and Tulane. East East Carolina. Hold on, wait. UCF, <laughs> Houston, <laughs> Cincinnati, East Carolina. Four teams yeah. with two losses. And Tulane would have the no losses. Um, we, we don't want it to come down to tiebreakers. Yeah, I don't. Would somebody do me the <laughs> math on that one? Uh, it was not 2013 either. We, we were um, we played at Louisville. They were number eight, but we were not ranked at that point. We didn't get ranked till after we beat them in 2013. So I don't know. I'm gonna do some more research. Wow. Has it ever wow. happened? Then maybe not. While we talk here, um, sure, to your point, we're not. We haven't been ranked very often. 14 20, we were ranked, ranked at all. What's that? 2010 we were ranked right for a little bit for a game against um southern miss and we lost and then we didn't get ranked again i believe until we won the bowl game against georgia yeah um 2014 we were not ranked at all because we lost the first couple games 15 no for sure 16 no this may be the first time ever wow what a great what a great stat (laughs) we check 17 again i don't think so and the cow game was at home. Yeah. Uh, going on the road that year, I, I can't think of who it would be. We played. We played Memphis at home. I mean Auburn, but that was a bowl game. No. No, so, non, I guess non-bowl games. There regular season any. game, both yeah. teams ranked on the road. Is this a first? Yeah, because 2018, we played Cincinnati at home. They were 24. We were 11, but that was at home. We did not play another ranked team that year. All right. So we're making First time for everything. Okay, here we go. First time for everything. This is a riveting podcast, by the way. Yeah, hey, so either way, I'm scared, by the way, because, I mean, this is, a, this is a two-lane team that obviously has a lot of confidence. Um, you know, they, they played us tough last year. I mean, people forget we only won 14-10. Uh, this was obviously the the Mikey Keene offense of last year, which was a little bit diluted. Um, I don't think Bowser played in that game, if I recall correctly. Obviously, we had no Jalen Robinson, so not as many weapons on the outside as we have this year. Um, and the running game clearly wasn't as established as it was now with uh, with both Bowser and Harvey and then even Johnny Richardson. So you got to think there are more weapons in front of us, but they, they played us tough last year. Now we're going to their place. Um, you know, I've, I've, when's the last we were there in what, 2020? Um, I think we eked out a win. Um, no, 2021 rather. Um, we, we won pretty, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2019 we won there. But it's been a while since we've been in that stadium. So, yeah. Um, I guess I'm a little nervous. Uh, right now, I feel okay. It's only Monday. Right, next good. Okay. Yeah. Get, wait till Friday evening. I might start getting a little nervous. Let's see what well, happens I mean, to, in these other games. Here, here's, their, here's their schedule, but just so we're on the same page. So they beat UMass, right? They beat Alcorn State. They beat Kansas State. So that's that's their kind of signature win, 17-10 over Kansas State. Then they lose the Southern Miss of all teams, 27-24. They beat uh, Houston, 27-24 in overtime. They beat South Carolina, 24-9, which obviously we know what that means. They beat the Cows. Uh, and then they beat Memphis by 10. Then they just beat Tulsa by by two touchdowns. So that's been their schedule so, thus far. So their their three toughest games are coming up now. They have us, SMU, and then Cincinnati uh, three straight weeks. So one could argue they haven't been tested as much. I mean, that Kansas State win looks pretty good now considering what Kansas State has become. But I guess you could argue they haven't been tested that much. I guess to, uh, Houston, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I've been saying this for weeks about them. I could see them just being – revealed as a fraud and losing the last three games of this season. 
SMU is very tough. We're a tough team, and Cincinnati's a tough team. I could see them losing these three games, finishing with four losses and being an afterthought when the, when the season comes to an end. But it's going to have to start with us this week. Um, they're, they're not bad. I'm not yeah. saying they're a bad team. To be fair, they beat Houston with their, uh, their third-string quarterback. Right. Uh, Houston is a fraud, too. We, we've, we've all known that. Look what they did this week. Um, <laughs> they're, they're no good. They're a very undisciplined team. They uh, they turn the ball over all the time. I'm not impressed with Houston at all. All right, get Houston out of here. That's we don't need that. All right, well, we'll we'll uh, we'll do some more preview of this stuff this Thursday on the live show. We'll probably have some Tulane guy on to tell us more about what to expect with Tulane. But uh, they certainly have a lot of weapons, Mike. I mean, again, Michael Pratt, Tyler Spears. They have a, a lot guy. Uh, we may do another XOs uh, presentation this week. So working out the schedule with UCF XOS. If you haven't seen that on YouTube, it's actually pretty cool. Um, he did some coaching back in the day, so he's got some good perspective. So. I know he's been watching some Tulane tape, so he can maybe give us a, break, a better breakdown understanding of uh, what to expect, Mike. But let's get uh, quickly back to the game. We'll do our categories. If you're new, these are things that we saw that uh, um, either kind of good, bad, or indifferent, uh, and we label them after previous bowl victory categories, Mike. Uh, we each pick three. I'll let you go first. I think you've got uh, a peach you're going to hand out. Yeah, first peach for me goes out to R.J. Harvey. Mm, good one. 17 carries. Let me ask real quick. Is he is he the is he running back one at this point? He's been the best running back on the team for the last what four weeks? Uh, yes, at least. Yeah. I don't think it could even be debated. I think now he leads the team in rushing. Or I think he's tied with Plumley for the season lead. Um with like 36 less carries than Plumley. So uh and this game 17 carries, 151 yards, and a touchdown. Along that one run where he breaks off 61 yards was huge at the time, too. Early in the game, I know. But he has a nice touchdown run early in the game, set the tone, and really has been the best running, like we just said, the best running back we've had on this team. He's got that extra – he just gives us a spark. And he's quick. Everything about him, I I loved watching him play the other day. That first touchdown run was fantastic. He looks like he got clogged at the line, kind of bounced it outside. Uh, and then took it to uh, to the end zone uh, again. Not to not to uh, continue to to tug on this guy, but uh, UCF XOS. He tweeted during the game like that. RJ Harvey reminds him a little bit of Emmett Smith, shifty, kind of smaller back, makes a cut, isn't like a speedster, isn't going to like burn you down the field, but has a little bit of that Emmett Smith like vision cutting ability. I know it seems kind of you know RJ Harvey's the second year ever as a running back. Emmett Smith's a Hall of Famer and the all time leading rusher in NFL history, but you, I can see some similarities there. Where he's not he's not a speedster. He's not going to you know AK you know Adrian Killens burn you down the field but he's going to make a cut make you miss he's going to bowl some guys over he's going to be tough to tackle in space um again he's 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 obviously smaller than uh, than ucs running backs he's smaller than bowser by a bunch so it, you know sometimes those those smaller guys are tough to tackle mike because you just can't get your hands on them it feels like rj's got just this knack for you know kind of getting in space making a move making a guy miss taking contact and running through it uh, he's been he's been impressive. He's been impressive in this last couple of, uh, of game streak. Uh, and I'm curious to see how his role continues to evolve in the offense going forward. Yeah, that first touchdown was great. He should have been stopped for a loss or maybe a couple guys had the chance to take him down. Bounces it to the outside, gets in the end zone. Um, he's not he's pretty quick. I mean, you say he's not the fastest guy. He's not slow either. He's not like sure, a, sure. a bruiser, but he, he can move. Um just a fun guy to watch. And, and you can tell he, I like the way he's patient and he sets up his blocks and all that. He's just a, a very good polished running back. 
Yeah, I tweeted during the game, too. He also has that Le'Veon Bell kind of ability where he kind of stands in the backfield for a second, gets a chance to see where the where the linemen are going, and then sort of makes a decision on where to run. And, and then it's clear the offense has been clicking a lot differently since he's gotten more touches and more carries. Um, and uh, and I think, yeah, to your point, he's probably our best running back from a, just a pure running pers- perspective on the team right now. The offense definitely runs differently when, uh, when he's in there. Yeah. I feel confident with him in there now. And it's a good compliment to Bowser. I mean, Bowser is that big bruising guy. You need that, the tough one, two yards. You might, you're still going to use Bowser. You still use Bowser with the wild night package, but this guy is what probably what we thought Johnny was going to be, but maybe a little more physical runner than Johnny. Yeah. I mean, poor, poor Johnny, one carry on the, on the day, uh, uh, three yard loss. It just feels like he's sort of the odd man out too many mouths to feed Gus going with a hot hand. Uh, another another week where Johnny doesn't get a bunch of touches, Mike. Um, my first category, I'm going to give out a Liberty. I'm not going to the peach level, Mike. I'm going Liberty level for Mikey Keene. Mikey Keene, 22 of 28, 219 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, a couple of really nice touchdown throws. That that throw to Javon Baker in the corner was a perfectly placed football. Um, another nice back shoulder to uh, Kobe Hudson. Also found Kobe in the back of the end zone. But he had a pretty bad interception early in the game. I had another one that probably could have been picked. Um, he had a couple balls that kind of got away from him. He had one where Javon Baker was kind of wide open. He threw behind him, one on a third down, threw out of bounds. And this is kind of where you see the difference between between Keen and Plumley. During that fourth quarter, you know, there were a couple of third down drives where, you know, Mikey kind of rolled out and he had some green grass in front of him. I don't know if he had 10 yards, Mike, but he, he probably had six, maybe seven yards. And he kind of waited and waited and, and tried to find a receiver. One time he actually made a nice connection with Javon Baker. The other time he did not. And that's obviously the main difference between him and Plumley is he's not going to take off and run for those yards. He ran a few times, which I, which I thought was great. Um, but I still think there's opportunities for him to, you know, can make a few more plays. So I thought he played really, really well. I wouldn't put him quite at that peach level yet. I think there's probably a couple of throws, a couple of decisions he'd want to have back. But uh, for his first start in, in over 300 games, uh, you know what I feel like at this point, uh, uh, he, he did everything we needed. He managed the offense well. He made plays when they had to be made. Uh, team rallied around him. Um, and outside that winter reception, didn't do anything super terribly stupid. So I'm going to give Mikey Keen a liberty. Yeah, I thought he played pretty well. That one interception was bad, but 22 for 28, not a whole lot of yards, 219 yards. Efficient. He didn't throw the ball deep. I think his longest pass was 24 yards. Is the touchdown to Hudson. Uh, but three touchdowns and all three of the, the passes on touchdowns were perfect. Um, the two to Hudson and the one to, to Baker there at the end. Um, good performance. Very good performance. If, if you take away that interception, almost a perfect day. Yeah, it was solid. Again, he's, you know, that's the difference between him and, and Plumlee. And I said this last week, Plumlee's a playmaker, right? He's in there to make plays where Mikey's clearly trying to get the ball to playmakers. Um and, you know, get the ball in their hands if that's either from a running back standpoint or receiver standpoint. Uh, and that's what he did distribution wise. I mean, uh, Kobe Hudson had six catches. O'Keefe had 10. Javon Baker was quiet. It was only only three. Alakala at two. Um, and again, obviously, R.J. Harvey and, and Bowser split, what, 20, 32 carries between them. So uh, you definitely saw the distribution uh, and, and Gus getting the ball in the hands of playmakers a little bit more than we saw on the, under the Plumlee era. So we'll see if maybe that uh, sort of, you know, uh, um, Ball handling by committee, if you will, or getting the you know playmaking by committee will work a little bit more consistently than you know f- having or, or relying on Plumlee to be the only one making plays. And the thing you like about, yeah, he threw an interception, but it was early in the game, and he bounced back from it. How many times this season have we seen Plumlee make a mistake early on, and then you know kind of lingers there, and he, it turns into a bad day? You know, George O'Leary always used to say, 
You can have a bad play. You just can't have a bad day. Mikey had a bad play. He didn't let it affect him mentally. He shook it off, came back and had a good day. And I'm, I'm not saying this is all on, um, you know, on, on, you know, Mikey Keene either, but felt like he, you know, he, he made some smart decisions. He threw the ball away when he had to, he didn't take any really silly sacks. Right. I mean, there are a couple of times, I think, I think Memphis had two sacks on the day. Uh, I think one of them was like a jailbreak where Mikey had no, I had no, no clue or no choice, but to, you know, but to eat the sack on that one. Um, but you, you definitely saw the line hold up a little bit differently. So I, I'm also just curious if the line plays a little bit, a little bit differently when Mikey Keene's in there, but uh, overall a nice performance, a solid performance. Uh, and this is what we kind of need him to do, right? The fact that, you know, RJ Hart, is getting a peach from you. I think I know the guy coming up next is getting a peach from you. You know, that's a direct reflection of the fact that Mikey's you know, distributing the ball around. So I, I'm okay with our quarterback being a liberty in this case because the other guys around him are are making plays and doing what they have to do. So all told, a nice win. We'll see if he gets a chance to be in the field uh, when we break the huddle against Tulane. Who is your next category, Mike? Kobe Hudson, another peach. Six catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns. The one in the second quarter, about six minutes to go before the half, to give us the lead, and then again in the third in the fourth quarter to give us the lead up 21-14. Uh well, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that was it. 21-14 is the second quarter one. And then he hit one again later to make it 28-21. Um big plays, huge plays in this game. We, we needed him. He came up clutch. That third that touchdown in the fourth quarter, when it's tw- tied 21-21, it's third down on that play. And third and I think like 10 or 11. And Mikey finds him in the back of the end zone. Otherwise, you're settling for three. All of a sudden, you're not really sure here what's going on with the game. That was a big play. Settle things down a little bit. Then we get the turnover. Then we get another touchdown. And, you know, we're well on our way to victory. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. He's got, a, I, and I don't know if it's just the way that the uh, the receiver running backs work. It definitely seems like uh, Kobe and and and, uh, and Mikey have a bit of a more uh, more of a connection. I think we saw with Plumlee, it seemed like Javon Baker was his target every time around. Uh, and you mentioned uh, Kobe with with six catches, uh, Javon only with three. That could have been defense, Mike, could have coverage. But it felt like last week too. You saw a connection between Mikey and uh, and Kobe Hudson. I wonder if that's something they've been working on, or something that you know either on second team or scout team, or when Kobe was out dealing with that nagging thing. Perhaps him and Mikey had a chance to kind of throw on the side a bunch. But it definitely seems like he's comfortable getting the ball to Kobe Hudson and a nice turnaround by Kobe, by the way, because I think he went without a catch in like his first like three or four games. Uh, and then he had some bad drops there for a while too. So he's kind of really rebounded from, you know, who is this guy and where is he at? And, and he's not even on the field to now to your point, making some really nice catches and, and becoming a big part of the offense. Yeah. Him along with Harvey have really come along the last month of this season. Uh, he's really starting to, to make a name for himself out there and show the talent that he has. I mean, the first you mentioned the first four games he had zero catches. Two of them games he didn't play in. He didn't have a catch against South Carolina State. He didn't have a catch, I don't think, against Georgia Tech either. So good to see him contributing now and being a big part of this offense. All right, next, Mike. I'm going to go back to another Liberty, um, and I feel like I kind of just owe this guy this because I think we forget about him a bunch, uh, and the stats aren't always gaudy. But I mean, this guy seems like he's just Mister Reliable, Mister Dependable. We talked about it earlier. That's Isaiah Bowser, Mike. I think we we just take Bowser for granted, especially in that wild Bowser package. We need a couple of yards. He's always going to get him. Obviously, he's been a touchdown vulture on the year. Threw a touchdown pass and a really, really interesting play call by Gus. Uh, that, that, that throw concerned the hell out of me, but uh, it got to Stephen Martin for a touchdown. That's great. I think where he's underrated, and I saw this a few times, 
And I'm curious, again, if we do the breakdown show this week on film, he does a nice job, Mike, picking up blitzers and blockers for for Mikey Keene. And I think a lot of people are wondering, like, how did Johnny kind of get out of this rotation here? I think it's clear that when it's, you know, second and seven, second and eight, uh, you know, you need an opportunity for someone to uh, maybe have Mikey throw the ball. You're going to want Bowser as the guy in there, really kind of solidifying the, the blocking package. I don't know if RJ Harvey has that. I don't know if uh, Johnny Richardson has that. But Isaiah Bowser has done a nice job protecting the quarterback, uh, picking up some blockers, picking up some blitzers. Again, he's always there when we need him uh, near the goal line to, to score in the wild Bowser. His stats are definitely down from where we saw last year. He's not making or breaking the big runs. He had 15 for 67 on this game, Mike. But I feel like he's just Mr. Reliable. You need two or three yards, he's going to get him. Sometimes it's a little bit annoying. Sometimes it's a little bit like, why did we run on second and nine for one yard with Bowser? But there's going to be times, as Gus says, we need to lean on people. And I think we're... We're pretty fortunate we have a guy like Bowser who we can bring in and who can actually do that. So I mean, maybe not so much for this game, I guess. Again, throwing a touchdown pass and a couple of nice key blocks, I think were huge. But I'm going to give Bowser a liberty. Yeah, and his run really sealed the game at the very end. Remember, Holler gets that big play on third down. Then Bowser runs for 19 yards, makes them burn all their timeouts. Game over. The touchdown pass, I loved. I thought that was a beautiful call. call yeah. we, we've seen him do the wild night all season, and it's been unstoppable. And you figured one of these days somebody was going to gear up to stop it. Well, that Memphis did, which freed up a wide open Stephen Martin for the touchdown pass. Beautiful call there early in the game. And now teams have to respect that, which is just going to open things up a little bit more for him running the ball. So um, overall, he's been dependable. He had the one fumble against, uh, what was it, Cincinnati? Yep. And uh, other than that, he's the guy when you need to burn the clock at the end of the game and you need to wear people down. After they've been chasing Harvey around all day, then they got to start tackling Bowser in the fourth quarter when they're tired. That's that's a tough task for uh, for other teams to do. Yeah, again, he just feels like he's Mister Dependable. When you when you need three yards, he's going to get you three yards. When it's a second and goal and we got to punch one in, it seems like you can go to him and he's going to figure that out. Um, you know, again, obviously throwing a touchdown pass. I think he does a great job with with blitz pickup. So um, maybe a, a lifetime achievement award for uh, for Bowser. Uh, again, his stats probably aren't as gaudy as we thought they were going to be coming into the year, um, but uh, I think overall a nice year by uh, by Mr. Bowser. Mike, in your uh, your third and final category, I got a liberty here. It's the turnover battle. Okay, and this is something we have not won most of this season. We haven't been getting turnovers, and we've been turning the ball over a little bit too much for my liking. But in this game, we won the turnover battle two to one. Uh, you mentioned the one ugly pass by Keen, which is why this is a liberty. Um, so they get the interception, but we get two interceptions. One of them on that, and you want to call it fluky, you want to call it whatever tip drill. The ball bounces up off about six guys. That wasn't a, it was early in the game, but it was a big part of the game. Memphis is going in, they're close to scoring again. And we get that turnover there, it's exactly what we needed. And then the other one, a bad throw by their quarterback, overthrow somebody right to Devon Wilson, comes down with it. Another turnover late in the game. Um, big. This is what's gonna, we're gonna need to to win these turnover battles going forward and especially this week in Tulane we have to at least break even we cannot do what we've been doing the last couple of weeks Cincinnati we fumbled a couple of times East Carolina we turned the ball over a bunch of times we can't have that anymore maybe now things are starting to, to flip around a little bit and we can start turning this into a positive yeah, after that Mikey Keene turnover at that point, Mike, we had been negative seven in our in the three, the three previous games, right? We had obviously four against ECU, uh, and then uh, the two fumbles against Cincinnati. Luckily, we turned that around pretty quickly there. But we 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 can't we can't keep you know turning the ball over 
losing the turnover battles and expect to win, especially on road on the road games. Uh, so to your point, that first one was a little fluky. Sure. It bounced around like 19 guys. And luckily, Devante uh, finally had the presence of mind to just jump up and grab the thing. Um, and uh, and that was a huge, huge uh, play, uh, cha- you know, game changing moment by uh, by him at that point. So we got to win that turnover battle. We can't we cannot keep giving the ball away, um, you know. Again, Mikey's got to make better decisions if he's the quarterback. Running backs got to hold on to the football. Um, especially, I don't know why people don't realize guys are chasing them down from behind. I feel like that's what happens every 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 year now, by the way. There's a guy chasing someone down from behind, and a running back or a quarterback's holding the ball, and they don't realize someone's coming from behind. Where, where's Someone's got to yell that out, right? Like, watch out. Mind <laughs> you. Like, we, we, there's got to be some sort of a cheer there, no? Some sort of a yell. Yeah. I, but these guys just got to know to tuck the ball in at all times. You can't there's just feel like yet. this. You are uh, free and and be loose with the ball, um, but that interception, the one that bounced around a bunch of times, did we like tackle ourselves on that one? We had like it was four. I of think our Lee guys, Hunter man. tackled like nine people actually on that same play. <laughs> what were you Many doing? of which were wearing white jerseys. How about you just get out of the way and see if Devontae could do something with it? Uh, that was the only thing that kind of bothered me. I, I I know they were all discombobulated. They probably didn't even know who had the ball at at that point. But uh, would have been nice to get a little return on that one. Well, Devonta even said in his press conference today, he said that he had it and a bunch of guys were holding him. Um, and he was like, maybe we could have made a play on that or something. I think he was hoping uh, to get free there. But I I think no one knew how, who had the ball. Everyone was kind of tackling everybody. Then you saw there was some pushing and shoving and, and Lee Hunter literally grabbed two dudes from UCF and threw them both to the ground. So they didn't do anything dumb and get a flag, uh, which just shows you how large of a human being he is that he grabbed. I think it was Justin Hodges and maybe Corey Thornton and grabbed them both by like the shoulder pads and like literally threw them to the ground. So um, just a lot of confusion on, on that one, but it's good to finally get back in the turnover column. Like it'd been a couple of weeks um, and this defense has not been one that's been forcing a ton of turnovers. Um, and so that, that was a nice, a nice change of pace. That was something definitely we needed at that moment in time. Yeah. A couple of turnovers that could have been, remember that it turned out to be a safety against Cincinnati, you know, Trayvon right, Morris yeah. brash and, you know, that, it was almost a touchdown. Um, how about the other one that got caught well, that we fumbled that Morris Brash returned all the way down to the one yard line and then fumbled through the, the back of the end zone. Um, so a couple more plays we could have had that turn out to be better plays, but this team is something they haven't done great all year. Where we rank like in the hundreds uh, in turnovers. Um, we're going to need to get that corrected. And it looks like maybe we started that this week. All right, my, my final liberty. I was going to go a couple of spots here. I was going to give a shout out to Alec Holler for the Holler hop, as we're calling that thing now. Just a great individual play on that. Uh, he didn't do a ton really from a stat sheet standpoint, but he's always a solid blocker. But that was a fantastic play when one that he looked dead to rights in the backfield makes a guy miss. And you're still like, oh, man, he's going to be four yards short. Uh, and he makes a great hop. Uh, I was going to go there. Maybe this is a tie then because that was a great individual play. But I'm going to give another one of these like, you know, season long achievement awards to Jason Johnson. Uh, linebacker. I'm going to give him a liberty. He had 13 tackles on the day. Again, the defense didn't play fantastic, didn't play lights out. So I, I don't want to give somebody a peach in this situation. But, you know, we all said who was going to be that second linebacker this year, right? Losing Tatum Bethune. You know, we knew we'd have JJB, but who was going to be that second linebacker? Uh, again, I love to tell the story that when I told you this guy was on the team, you were like, who? Never heard of him. You know, he's an FCFs transfer from like Eastern Illinois or something like that. We weren't really sure where, what we were getting there. And like, he's probably been the most consistent throughout the year. JJB obviously missed the FAU game. He, he missed a, a part of this game. Uh, and linebackers, a spot where we're super thin. We lost obviously both uh, the Maryland transfers and uh, and Jennings and Lewis no longer with the program. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a spot that's thin for us. And Jason Johnson has just been Mr. Reliable. 
You know, you look at the box score, he's got nine, he's got 11, he's got 12, he's got 13. Uh, I mean, he's all over the field making tackles, making plays, um, and really solidifying the defense. Again, even in this case, when we lose JJB uh, and we need someone to step up. Uh, so Jason Johnson, while he's not going to be flashy, he's not going to have a, a, you know, a, a stat, an eye-popping game. He's just been really consistent throughout the year, particularly in a spot where we need that consistency. We we, we needed to know who was going to step up, and uh, and Jason Johnson has done that. So I'm going to give him a liberty for uh, for 13 tackles against Memphis. Does he lead the team in tackles? It seems like he's at the top of the list every week. And only guy with double digits this week, 13, 16 solos. So that means there's seven other tackles in there where he's just flying to the ball. Even if he's not doing it by himself, he's still getting there making things happen. Uh, one thing about the defense, though, this week, no sacks, you know, yeah. no forced fumbles, nothing like that. I'd like to see them get a little bit more pressure, but that's got to be a lot, a lot of teams' game plan now is just to get the ball out quickly. They see that we're playing maybe a little further back, this whole bend-don't-break defense. Maybe it's more a strategy on the, on the other teams getting the ball out quicker. Um, but when they do so, Jason Johnson's there to clean up the mess. Yeah, another game, too, where it's kind of head-scratching. Josh Ellisgar played, I think, every snap, if I saw that correctly. Um, I think Trey Moore's bra- uh, brash played close to every snap. You know, we had a bunch of nice rotations going for a while there. I know Keenan Hester's been out for a little bit, um, but we're, we're not seeing as much rotation, which I, you got to wonder if these guys, I mean, as a defensive end, you're playing 70, 72 snaps. At some point, these guys got to get tired, right? Like, you know, I wonder... You know, if we're going to be able to, to rotate guys in or if we have opportunities. I mean, I think Katie McDaniel hasn't really uh, been playing much of late. Um, and so part of it, I wonder, is just they're not fresh because they're, they're playing every down. Um, you know, both Selleskar's done, I think, done that three straight games now. And then and then Traymond did that this game as well. To answer your question, if, if these stats are right, and I'd like to think that they are, um, Jason Johnson credited with 84 tackles on the year. The next closest, Jeremiah John Baptiste with 45. Wow. Twice as much basically as anybody else on the team he's got 43 solo tackles and 41 assists the guy on defense with the next closest assist is 15 with ricky barber so 84 total tackles if these are right for jason johnson pretty impressive stats there for him and a good season he's put together so far and hopefully he keeps this up and you know he's gonna finish the season with over 100 tackles which doesn't happen all the time you know um what what is the record? Antoine Poe, I think, had a, a hundred tackles a couple of times, right? Um, but I don't know how many guys have finished with over a hundred. It's like a Tito Rodriguez situation where he had over a hundred at one point, maybe. Yeah. Um, you have to. I'm Shaquem. What's the most tackle Shaquem ever had in a season? Yeah, he wasn't a tackler. I mean, he was more. I mean, he more was a, a pass rusher at some point. I don't think he was really the guy making tackles in space. Maybe check a Titus Davis on, on that one. Plummer. Maybe he he might be up there. Plumber maybe up there. Um, I don't know about, uh, I don't know about Shakim though. Yeah. So, uh, good season so far. Now he's got to finish strong. Yeah. Well, let's see again. We don't know the status of, of Jeremiah John Baptiste, uh, against Tulane. So we may need Jason Johnson to step up and really play well along with, uh, the other young linebackers. Uh, Cam Moore's getting a lot more, uh, a lot more playing time. Mike, the, the young freshman, um, Bear Moore's brother, he's getting a lot more playing time. Walter Yates the third is getting a, a little bit of playing time as well. So we'll see if we don't have JJB. I mean, Jason Johnson's going to have to step up and kind of carry us uh, for the linebacker spot. Yeah. So hopefully Baptiste comes back this week. I mean, if he's out, that's a, that's a big missing piece. Um, and Johnson's just going to have to step up more. But, you know, that's part of football. And the next it's man up, that's the way it is. So. 
UCF, my kid's next pain up. Like last week I made an error. There was a scheduling conflict um, and uh, I could not work this into the show, but I have corrected that tonight, Mike. Uh, for those who don't uh, don't remember, we went to the Cincinnati game, not, not you and I, but uh, myself, I met up with Trace. Uh, we spent a little bit of time with Libby and Nelson and had some uh, had some time with there. Uh, Addison was was hanging around as she always does, Mike. She's nosy and she uh, she wrote on a top five. I did not get it in last week's show. But you don't need to know that the Cincinnati game happened to understand this top five, Mike. So this is uh, this is a week late, but I think it's worth your trouble here. Are you ready for uh, for Addison's top five, Mike? It's a top five things that were said only during the Cincinnati game. And a lot of these were during the pregame to Cincinnati. I don't know if I would call them like during the game. So this was at um, uh, the alumni watch party, Mike. So a fresh Addison top five. Are you prepared for these? Yeah. Can't you wait. are in one of them, just so you know. I wasn't even there. I know, but you are featured in in one of these. Your your name is brought up, but we'll get to that in a second, Mike. Here's number five. The number number five thing Addison heard at the uh, UCF Cincinnati game. Number five, truth be told, no one really likes Plumlee. Truth be told, no one really likes Plumlee. She alleges I said that. I I have no recollection of that, Mike. I love John Rice Plumlee. What a guy he is. (laughs) Uh, I haven't heard anybody say they don't like him. I've heard people say they don't want him to be the quarterback, maybe. And they think yeah. maybe Mikey Keene's better, but to not like the kid, uh, I haven't heard anybody say that. He, yeah. He's a solid kid. He's a good representative of the university uh, and a pretty good football player. I think it was taken out of context. All right, number four thing that was said during that uh, during that uh, illustrious tailgate. Number four, Nelson bought a crop top. Nelson bought a crop top <laughs> was number four, Mike, uh, our good buddy, Nelson. Uh, they, uh, uh, him and his sister Libby went to the bookstore. Nelson uh, found a shirt he really liked, held it up to Libby and was like, Hey, I like this shirt. I think I'm going to buy it. And she looked at him and she said, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, you don't like this shirt. And she was like, dude, that's a girl shirt. That's a crop top. Nelson was about to buy a crop top and, and until Libby uh, shared with him that it was a crop top. So we were this close to Nelson in a crop top. So he didn't buy it. I would have let him go. I wouldn't have told him until afterwards. That's where Libby really made a mistake here. And she recognized the error of her ways by not allowing her brother to buy a crop top. (laughs) If she played her cards right, she could have let him buy it and then gift it to her. When she told him. Number number three, Mike, here we go. Number three. Number three. Trace needs a lover. That's Trace needs a lover. <laughs> number three, Mike. <laughs> Trace needs a lover is number three. I think this came up during the the portion of the proceedings where he was trying to get someone to bring him Jello shots, and he wanted to go get Jello shots, but it was the mom's drink free. Trace obviously clearly not a mom, so he was trying to recruit people to take him to the mom's drink free tent. And I believe that's when uh, uh, that's when Libby said that Trace needs a lover. Yeah, I was about to ask: Does this have anything to do with Jello shots? Um, yes. Okay. All roads lead back to Jello shots, Mike. But you know, Trace needs a lover for many reasons. Maybe not, maybe not Jello shots, just the, to keep the guy happy. Sometimes he's a little grumpy on our show. I can't confirm or deny. There was also a point. I uh, so th- this got a little dicey time. So there was one point where um, Trace was then. Um, trying to find someone who could take him to the jello shots and some other people's names had come up that maybe could take him. And Libby got really mad at him. And she said, trace is a, um, a word that would be described uh, sometimes as a female, but also as a gardening tool. Uh, and so Addison looked at me as she wrote this down, like, Hey, am I allowed to write this down? I had to make a quick parenting decision at that point. I gave her the head nod. No, but that's an, outli- that's, that's an OLI is, is trace. Uh, trace is a gardening tool. <laughs> how many jello shots does libby have because she seems like she's uh she's running this whole list here 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This was pre-Jello shots, actually. So the, there was a, a bunch of beers. Obviously, if you've been to Alumni Tailgate, it's a really good experience. You go, it's indoors this year too, Mike. So you can go inside, get out of the heat, uh, and they give you like these full sixteen ounce cans of Oviedo Brewing Company. It, it was they had IPAs, they had a couple of red ales. Uh, they go pretty quickly though. So the trick was to get one and then go back and get a second one right away. Um, so you got, you got to maximize. I, Nelson taught me that trick. So we were in line pretty heavily. Uh, Libby had a few of those, but this was all pre-Jello shots though. Interesting. Unfortunately. <laughs> Here's number two. I don't even remember this. Oh, I do. Yeah. Number two. I'm being very supportive. Trey said that to me. I'm being very supportive is what Trey said to Addison. Obviously, they have a bit of a feud, a bit of a rivalry going these days, Mike, where obviously Trace has been a, uh, somebody who... Trace uh, is bullying me. Somebody who, who bullies people, and uh, he was he was trying to be very cordial to Addison um, and said he was very supportive of it, but Addison wasn't buying it. <laughs> I wouldn't buy it either. I mean, bullies, the first thing they're going to do is try to convince you that they're not a bully. And mm-hmm. I think Trace has been trying to convince us of that ever since that the whole incident down in Boca. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I can see Addison being a little skeptical when it comes to dealing with Trace and for good reason. All right. And the number one thing said uh, at the Cincinnati UCF game was? And number one, Mike's a loser. <laughs> Mike's a loser. <laughs> What's the number one number one item said? There's a dispute about who said this. Um, I actually think it may have been multiple people <laughs> who, who actually wow. said that. Yeah, I, I, it came up. Obviously, you know, it was recognized you weren't at the game. Uh, and, and I think that was brought up. That's how it had started. Uh, I believe Libby got in there. Uh, we met uh, Farmer Scott was there. I believe he also called you a loser. Trace, I think, also called you a loser at some point as well, too. So <laughs> there's some form of the three of them um, all came up with some version of Mike's a loser. So that was the number one thing. Set it to tailgate, buddy. Well, all three of those people can kiss my ass. How's that? <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry to, <laughs> all sorry three. Yeah, Farmer Scott, about... for some reason, has a vendetta against me, too. I, I just realized like a couple weeks ago he doesn't like me. Yeah. Uh. Whatever, I don't like him either. Then, and yeah. and Libby, Libby, the same thing. Libby, for some reason, yeah, there were. What was it? I made some comment about something. Was it about uniforms or some stupid thing? Something that doesn't even mean anything. And they all got bent out of shape, and they don't like me. You know what? Not everybody's gonna like you, and I don't really care. So, there, all, all three right. of them kissed me right on the ass. And number one, Mike's a loser. And there we go. <laughs> I have a new sounder for the show, but I'm not done with my list, Mike. Because I have it on good authority, uh, and by that I mean the internet, that you uh, were at the den this uh, this Saturday for a watch party. Uh, you were there with some some folks. Who was who was your crew? Who's kind of your hangout crew? Yeah, I had a great crew. I had JP Gilbert. Okay. I had uh, Brian W. Wild Bill Peterson. Wild Bill in the house. I had, yep. I had Jackie uh, Marquez. Jackie, I think it's okay. XO. Jackie XO. She goes by on Twitter. I had a Raphael who runs the alumni association group down here. Yeah. Uh, my wife showed up with the kids in the second half. Good. So we had a pretty good crew. We had a good time. Well, I have, I have some bad news for you, Mike. Uh-huh. There was a mole amongst you because I have a top 10 list of things that were said at the tailgate, Mike. Uh, the top 10 list has been sent to me of things that were said at that, uh, at that party, Mike. There was a mole amongst you. Uh, I'm guessing it's Peterson. Now, to be fair, he actually <laughs> sent me video clips of this, but he did it like at 30 minutes before we recorded. I didn't have enough time to, to load these in. So I'm going to read these aloud, Brian. These are really still good, but I, I'm not going to play the, the audio clips just because I didn't have enough time to do that. Mike. So the, top 10, the top 10. Well, he, the, he also prefaces by saying, feel free to ask Mike if he knows which comment came from him or which comment came from JP. So uh, at that point, <laughs> process of elimination, you're going to know who the mole was. But Brian Dillon Peterson was your mole. Number 10. Not to worry, 
My family has seen me drunk plenty of times before. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That was me that said that, obviously. <laughs> that is indeed you. That is indeed any context for how that happened. Um, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> I was talking about them showing. They didn't come with me to the game. Okay. Um, they showed up. There was a parade going on after the game. There's a whole Day of the Dead festival going on. So I went there. I got to the, the, the den around 3.15, about 15 minutes before kickoff. They didn't show up until about 5 o'clock. You know, around halftime. So I, by that time, I say, hey, you know, the family's going to show up later. I'll already be drunk by then, but don't mm. worry. They've seen me drunk plenty of times. All right. Number nine, I will drive Gus to the retirement home tomorrow. He is not well. <laughs> that's a that's a J.P. Gilbert special right there. Uh, <laughs> J.P. Gilbert seems to think that Gus is um, a bit of a looney tune. <laughs> okay. A crazy okay. person. And it may have been proven right with that 64-yard field goal. <laughs> there's a, there's a theme here. Uh, number eight, it's third and 18. If they get this first down, I'll walk in front of that train right now. <laughs> um, I think it's a Gilbert one. It could have been me. I'm not uh, sure. A survey says it was you. <laughs> according to, according <laughs> to Wild Bill, that was you. And for those who don't know, the den is adjacent to a train station. So uh, apparently you threatened to walk in front of a train if the uh, Memphis picked up a third and 18. Yeah, there was a train. Well, yeah, the tracks go right next to the, the, uh, the bar there. And I probably would have if we had given that one up. Yeah, you know what? You, you got to take it for the team. Like number seven, illegal. That's illegal. Head trauma is important. That's illegal. I think that's Gilbert. That's on the Bethune Cookman. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the the, wow. the JB, JBB uh, targeting play. You, you channeled the wrong linebacker and turned, turned him to a college. <laughs> but yes, I assume that it does not tell me what it's from. It, it is a JP Gilbert quote, though. Right. Number six. What is Gus doing? He's taking more shots than us. <laughs> that might have been me. I'm not sure. But we did a lot of shots. And that's all Jackie's fault, by the way. She okay. wanted, Maybe she said it. I'm not sure. But it was her idea to start doing touchdown shots after okay. one of these. That's what messed me up. It, it was the shots. And there were like, the, I think they're called white tea shots, which taste delicious. It tastes like juice. And I could see that being a problem because we did a bunch of them and they catch up to you later. What, what do you mean messed you up? What, I mean, it was there. We got, we got a blackout situation here. We're in the closet again. Are we okay? I wasn't in the closet, but I got to tell you anything after the halftime, <laughs> it's all a big blur to me. Okay. Um, and then, I paid for it on Sunday. I was not feeling good yesterday. Okay. All right. Number, number five. I don't think we talk enough about how much of a crazy person Gus really is. <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely Gilbert. He, he said that a few times. I never thought of Gus as crazy. It's interesting. He thinks he's a lunatic. I, I, you said that already. Number four. What? What? No, that's not my daughter. But my kids are on the way. <laughs> well, that had to be me. It uh, was. Oh, uh, I know what this was. Um, Raphael was there and his niece, his niece came over and said hi to him. Somebody thought maybe it was my daughter for a second. And I said, no, I believe okay. that's the situation. This one's a little morbid. I feel bad on this one. Number three, if Memphis runs a trick play and scores a TD right here, I'll kill myself. <laughs> is that me jumping in front of the train again? Eh? No, I, this is different. This is different. Well, then maybe it's Gilbert. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Hey, what? It is attributed to J.P. Gilbert, uh, who uh, uh, apparently a very morbid party, by the way. You were jumping in front of trains. A lot of talk about uh, about senility here with our head coach. Uh, J.P. Well, we making threatened. threats. We, we threatened suicide a couple of times, obviously. But we, you know, it all turned out well. Those things didn't happen. They didn't convert the 30 and 18. They didn't do the trick play and convert that. So yeah. we're all still alive here today. 
I gotta get these on because I imagine Brian David Peterson does a better job with his audio, so I gotta I gotta get that. Number two, I can't he was recording us this whole time, the whole time he was there. Well, he didn't record you guys saying it. He recorded ah, himself well, saying okay. this. Back. I was gonna say because <laughs> he did. I mean, it sounds like he could have got away with it though. When you're telling me, it sounds yeah, like you probably could have taken your pants with him, and you would you would have noticed. Mike, <laughs> number two, Bowser is my man. I'm telling you, Bowser is my man. Bowser is better than JRP. That's another Gilbert. That's got to be a Gilbert one. Any chance he gets to take against uh, Plumley, he he took it, and he does love Bowser. He, he was. I remember him saying Bowser is his number one running back. Uh, that's uh, that's you, my friend. That's me. That's you. Well, <laughs> just like I said, I said <laughs> that's that. attributed to to Mike. Now, perhaps um, you know Brian got these confused. I know a lot of people were talking. It's tough to do this kind of list, Mike. Uh, uh, so perhaps he uh, he did that. That's possible. Uh, I said it. What the heck? I don't know. And number one, Mike, a real quarterback, a real quarterback. I told you that's a real quarterback. That's definitely JP. He said that probably 10 times during the game. I saw the videos too as well. There's also a bonus. <laughs> There's an OLI here. Yeah. I don't know who said this, so uh, it doesn't say. Trace is bullying me too. <laughs> that was probably uh, Peterson. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, he didn't quote himself on that one, Mike. That's the official top 10. Brian David Peterson, he a mole amongst the group, Mike. Wow. The whole time know. you thought he was on your side. He was having a good time with you guys. White T-shots. He was just looking for content, just fishing for content. Yeah, he was sitting there taking notes the whole time. I didn't even pick up on it. He was maybe <laughs> well, clearly Again, clearly he'd have taken your pants with him. I don't know. It sounds like you would have noticed. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he, he a mole amongst you. Good content, by the way, though. Really good content. Good job. Good job, Brian. Now I got. Now I know. Next time I'm around him, I gotta keep my guard up and watch what I say. Is there a chance? I mean, uh, another game this weekend. Are you getting the band back together? Is there a chance that uh, this crew is gonna reunite and and uh, get another victory? Yeah, hey, I had a great time. I think everybody else had a very good time. I'd love to do it again. Um, I don't think JP can make it this weekend, so I think mm. he's out. I wanted to go up to West Palm Beach this weekend, and I was gonna oh. take the train up there to Palm Beach. You know, a little home and home with me and Peterson. Yeah. Um, but I sent a message. I sent a message to uh, our buddy Paul Jones, yeah. who is big up there in the West Palm uh, alumni group, and he knows all the happenings there. He tells me, and maybe this could be a cow of the week segment here. The place that they do the watch party at Bodega, I believe it's mm -hmm. called. They have a speakeasy on the upstairs, and they have a little bar downstairs, and they've been able to use the upstairs speakeasy. They were kicked out of there for the Cincinnati game. And because of another private function, they're not going to be allowed to use it again this week. And he says the downstairs area is too small even for their group. So he's not happy with, with the whole wow. bar situation there. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this on the live, uh, show here, but yes. I'm saying it anyway. Yeah. And um, he even told me, he's like, you know what? If I were you, I'd just stay down there and go to the den. Wow. So I was going to go. Well, Why don't you have Paul join you at the den? He should come down. Him and Trina. Get a little roadie. Get him and Trina get down a little roadie. Pick up Brian W. Peterson on the way. Yeah. You know, JP maybe can't make it. That's fine. But you you, you replace him with uh, with Paul Jones and Trina. I mean, maybe that's a nice two-for-one deal, a nice trade. That's right. You're in business. Now, my record at the Den is pretty good. This year, I'm 2-0 and oh here. Mm. Um, I've won the, the first Fiesta Bowl against Baylor at the place. It was not called the Den back then. It was called Public House um i've won a couple other games i i've i've seen that there the only time we've lost a game that i've been to at the den was the lsu game the second fiesta mm -hmm. bowl um tough game i mean we're playing with our backup quarterback it's still a pretty good game so if i'm gonna go anywhere this week 
I think I might right, go right back to my spot at the den. You know, Raphael sets me up. He gives me the VIP booth. I saw I'm that right uh, there in front of the. Can DJ. you explain to me real quickly for those who haven't seen these videos? And you can find them on at UCF Mike on on both Twitter, Instagram. I saw JP Gilbert. Yeah, there there seemed to be some sort of a uh, uh, like a, a smoke uh, that uh, emanated from something. Whenever I guess I assume a big play, a, a touchdown of some sort. Yeah, I mean, they set the smoke off a couple times. Why, why did it appear that you and JP were punching it? Were you trying to fight the smoke? What was happening? There? <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, the way we okay. were celebrating it. To be honest, I couldn't tell you. But okay. uh, it was just a fun time. We did a couple dances. We were jumping around like uh, perfect. What were the guys on Perfect Strangers? Ba- what was their name? Balky. Uh, Balky and yeah. Cousin Larry, right? <laughs> Cousin, yeah. We were jumping around like those guys having a good time. I still have that memory. Okay. Uh, Which one of you was Balky? Uh, I guess I'd have to be Bucky. I don't know. <laughs> Bartokamus, Bucky Bartokamus. Yes. Uh, <laughs> how many people listening to the show even know what the heck that show is? That's a great question. If you know what Perfect Strangers is, actually DM. If you know what Perfect Strangers is, DM me. Because speaking of JP Gilbert, by the way, he gave us uh, two tickets to um, a UCF men's basketball game. I think it's uh, the 23rd of November. Uh, they're playing Evansville. He donated two free tickets uh, to us. Uh, and uh, and said we could give them away. So if you know a perfect strangers, then send me a DM. First person to, to somehow prove it to me that you are a perfect strangers fan. Tickets are yours. <laughs> That's our giveaway. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, I mean the setup at the den is awesome. I mean they got mm-hmm. a nice big screen. They have not a lot of of walking area for guys like you that like to walk around and pace. You can walk in front of there. Um, yeah. They got a, a nice nice bar set up. I like my seat there, right in front of the DJ booth. The very first game I was there, the DJ, I mean, he's a good guy. I don't know if how diehard of a UCF fan he is, but he, the first game we scored a first few times. And I was like, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking around, no zombie nation. What's going on here? And I told him and he had a search for it. He didn't even know what zombie nation was. So I was like, okay. Um, and now it's instantaneous. As soon as we score end zone, boom, that the song cranks up and everybody gets pumped up. So I, I take a little credit for that one, but, mm-hmm. um, it's a cool spot, Raphael and his whole team out there. Always a good time. So I, I think I may head back out there on Saturday. You know, you you inspired me. I contemplated um, the the Jacksonville watch party is at uh, one of our local Buffalo Wild Wings. I contemplated this Saturday. We have no soccer obligations. Everyone's you know we have nothing else to do uh, this weekend. We had soccer, so we had kids everywhere. Um, I I could I could potentially make it to that one, Mike. Now, I don't know what the crowd looks like for the Jacks Alumni Club. Um, I don't think JP Gilbert's coming with me. I mean, you you roll you roll with some deep some deep company. I don't I don't know yeah, any uh, any of the Jacks folks up here, so I I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm sure you can find some. Isn't that guy? Uh, what was his name? Greg Phillips or something? Live up in your He's area? Right. That's what... yeah. He lives in Orlando. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> lives in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a yeah. few few guys that you know from Twitter. But I have never been there. So is this the game to go messing with my mojo and showing up to a watch party when I've never been to this watch party? Do I want to mess with the mojo? This is probably going to be the best environment for the last three games of the season if you want to go to a watch party, unless you're holding off for a bowl game. I would think this week coming up, there's going to be a lot of juice going into this game. The Navy yeah. game, it's a home game, so a lot of people were probably going to go to the game. Yep. Usually the watch parties are not as good when the team's playing at home. The last game is the Cal game where, you know, it's a holiday weekend. Maybe people don't head out to the bars as much. It's not as big of a game. It's not like the 2017 Cal game. Sure. So this game I'm thinking is probably going to draw the biggest crowds at these watch parties and mm-hmm. um, another reason to go. And it's fun. Even people, you, if you don't know anybody, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Everybody is there for the same area. Everybody is a UCF fan. 
you're high-fiving strangers. It's like being up at the top of the cabana again. You're hugging strangers. You're having a good time. I just worry about the mojo, Mike. I've never, I don't want to break some sort of streak. I've never been there. I don't, I don't want to be the reason we lose this one, you know? No, you can start a new streak. You, you <laughs> now you're going to have to go there every week. If we go there, we win a big game on the road. All of a sudden, yeah. you're at the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings every Saturday. What's the problem, though? Ever, have you been to Buffalo Wild Wings in a while? No. Their food is terrible. Their food is just downright <laughs> terrible. And so that's the only, I mean, the, the beer is cold, which is fine, uh, but the food is god awful. All right. So you, you eat a big. I mean, I guess wings are bad. If I have like four beers at that point, like what wings are wings, right? What are you going to do? Yeah, this is what you do. You eat a big sandwich at the house before you go. You fill up. You yeah. go there, you drink the whole first half. You're having a good time. Mid, late third quarter, you, you order a 10 piece of wings. If you have to eat something, you have a couple of wings. And then, you know, after the game, the game's over by 6 7 o'clock. You want to go out and have a nice dinner, celebrate at eight o'clock. You 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 go down the street somewhere else and you, you eat something else. All right, I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna think long and hard about uh, about doing that. I think we'll you should. Do it. I think we'll you should know. do. It. All right. Uh, well, that's uh, that's it. Uh, UCF beats uh, Memphis. We have Tulane coming up, and uh, Mike has been to a bunch of watch parties. We doesn't remember much of them, uh, and uh, there's a mole amongst us, and that's Brian W. Peterson. We're gonna take a break. Then, Mike, we get back here. We've got translator coming up. We got headlines. We got your picks. We got cows. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little hoops here, maybe, Mike. The, the basketball team, as you and I are recording on Monday night, they, they have not yet tipped off. The women's team beat Winter by like 50. Uh, so the men's team here. So we'll, we'll touch on them briefly here uh, after the break. So don't go anywhere where the Suns UCF are brought to you by Gordon and Partners. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you should listen to the Suns of UCF like your hair is on fire. Go Knights and charge on. All right, we're back, sons of UCF, Mike. We got, uh, we'll do some quick basketball talk here in a minute. We'll get to Gus Malzahn translator. But before we do all that, you know what time it is, Mike. It's time to take it to the house. We need to pick our take it to the house moment of the week. Again, this is brought to you by Urban Nooks. Mike, each week uh, we find uh, a play that uh, that took place that we think was take it to the house worthy, a play that stood out to us. Uh, probably a touchdown play or home run, slam dunk, something on those lines, Mike. What was your take it to the house play of the week? Ooh, this is a tough one this week. There's some good touchdowns to pick from. We, we mentioned the R.J. Harvey run to start the game. The Isaiah Bowser pass. Uh, you got a couple Kobe Hudson touchdowns. But I think I'm going to go with the Javon Baker, the final touchdown in the back of the yeah. end zone in the corner. Beautiful throw, beautiful catch, getting the feet down, and it proved to be the game-winning score. That's a good one. I, I I had that one, and I had that first R.J. Harvey 22-yard uh, run where he should have been stopped in the backfield probably twice, broke to the outside, and got the scoring started off with the uh, a touchdown run there. So a lot of good options. Mike's going to go with Javon Baker. I'm going to go with R.J. Harvey. Uh, that's our ticket to the house moment of the week. Brought to you by Urban Nooks. Mike, if you want the real scoop on what's going on in the real estate market, call someone you can trust, a fellow knight who's been selling real estate for almost a decade. His name is Drew Bellani. He's a fellow knight, and he can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate across Knight Nation. You're navigating through this changing market, Mike. Everything changes by the day. Uh, who you work with matters. And so you want to find a guy you can trust. Uh, Drew is an alumnus. He's a shareholder. He's a two-time alumnus, by the way. And someone that you can trust. Again, Drew Bellani in Urban Nooks, 407-456-3226. That's 407-456-3226. Give Drew a call. Urban Nooks will take care of you, Mike. Um, as we're waiting to... Uh, uh, record. We're actually waiting for the game, the basketball game to start. It feels like a tradition. I think every year somehow you and I end up watching the first game together. I'm not sure how that's possible. We have spaces last year for one of these, right? Um, yeah, I believe that we did do a spaces for the basketball game. 
Well, now this one's about to start, Mike. And uh, and here's my analysis on the 2022-2023 UCF men's basketball team. I have no bleeping idea. Uh, But I'm falling for it again, Mike, because if you really want to believe it, it looks like they have some pieces. I know a lot of you are looking at the roster and saying, who the hell are these guys? Some names you're going to remember. Darius Johnson, he's coming back. Uh, Again, he was our primary ball hander last year. Um, He needs to improve on his outside shooting. If he's done that, Mike, uh, he can certainly put together a a good season. Uh, So he'll be back running the point guard. Another name you know is C.J. Walker. Uh, he's going to start the year, I think, injured, Mike. I, th- I know he has a, a bit of a knee issue. Don't think he's playing the first couple of games. Uh, but he's a guy, again, his offensive uh, production is kind of limited. He's sort of a, a rim runner, uh, put-back guy, um, you know, someone who's going to sort of clean up the boards. I don't know if they run a lot of sets for him, but a super crazy athletic kid. Uh, transferred from Oregon, obviously. Uh, he's uh, officially a senior this year, Mike, so we'll see what we have uh, in C.J. Walker. Another name you might remember from last year, a guy who brought a lot of energy off the bench, Ty Freeman. Uh, he figures to get some more playing time this year, a bit of a slasher, uh, not one um, to really be a, a lockdown or knockdown shooter. Uh, so we'll see what we get in Ty Freeman, a 6'6 athletic guard, Mike. Those are probably the big returning names you know. There's some new guys, Mike. Have you met the new guys? I've heard of a couple new guys. Okay. Mike's heard of some, uh, some, uh, some new guys. So one new guy I know you love. True freshman Taylor Hendricks. This kid's a five-star, 6'9", 210. He's out of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, super engaging personality, Mike, uh, but he, he's super raw, obviously, true freshman, uh, but one of the bigger recruits in the Johnny Dawkins era. So I'm curious to see what sort of game he has. I think he could uh, be an interesting presence on the inside. Uh, again, it's 6'9", 210, a bit frail, but uh, but he, he's an intriguing prospect, Mike. I'm really curious to see how he performs this year. Yeah, he's been the big name in the offseason that – you know, in college basketball, it takes one guy, two guys sometimes. If you have the right ones that are superstars, can turn the whole team around. And hopefully this kid is the future of, of the program here, and he can do something for the next couple of years. Rounding out the front line, so obviously we have um, we have C.J. Walker, who played a bunch of the four last year. Uh, Tyler Hendricks, or I'm sorry, Taylor Hendricks figures to probably play the four and the five. Uh, we went out, we got Michael Durr from the transfer portal, Mike. Uh, he actually was a cow, for those who remember that a few years back. Played actually a really nice game against us a few years ago. Went to Indiana, didn't play a bunch. But the measurables, Mike, seven foot, 250, big boy in the middle. Uh, so somebody to potentially that, uh, you know, get some rebounds, block some shots. Again, he's got some experience. We'll see how much he plays. Uh, and then another uh, redshirt senior transfer from Utah, Lahat Chu. He's 6'10", 225. So kind of a, yeah, thank you. Uh, kind of a, a thinner guy. So the front line looks to probably be Chu, Durr, um, Walker, and Hendricks. Um, so uh, four decent bodies down low. We'll see if any of them can play basketball, though. Yeah, we need somebody to clean up the boards, do all the dirty work. Durr seems like he could be the guy to do that and, you know, facilitate out to the other guys like Hendricks to get some scoring done. On the wings, a couple names to know. Athiel Horton, he's a transfer from uh, from Pittsburgh, Mike. He's purported to be a shooter. He's uh, A lot of people are suspecting he may be that sort of lockdown, knockdown shooter that we had last year from Darren Green Jr., who's moved on. Uh, so Athiel Horton could be a name that uh, to keep an eye on. He could be a shooter. Another name you may recall is Brandon Suggs, played at East Carolina. Uh, he's now come to UCF. He's a 6'6", kind of a swing guard. Um, not a not a fantastic shooter, but he can knock down a couple of shots, Mike. Um, so we'll see what, what, what he kind of brings. Again, he's another veteran guy, um, played a bunch of a bunch of years in the AAC, so he understands what he's getting into. And a couple of young guards you may see, Jalen Young, 
who is a redshirt sophomore out of Baton Rouge, and C.J. Kelly, a senior out of uh, out of UMass. Mike, those are guys you may see uh, handling the ball a little bit. And then you have P.J. Edwards, a true freshman, did not play last year, uh, so he's a redshirt freshman this year, Mike. So there's some names here. If these guys gel together, you see some skill sets. You you feel like you got some good size here, but every year we do this where we go, hey, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the team, and then we're like, ah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's the one good thing, I guess, coming into this year is I have no expectations for this team. So if they yeah. do anything positive, it's going to it's gonna feel good. It's going to be fun. And we've talked about Johnny on the hot seat for the last few years. Is this it? This is the last year now in the American. He's mm-hmm. got to do something. He's got to make some noise. He's got to at least show some improvement on this team. Otherwise, yeah. going into the Big 12 is the time to start making changes. Well, I think a lot of what you heard, if you haven't seen some of the preseason interviews that uh, Trace did, they're on our, our YouTube page. Um, one of the things the team talked a lot about is just gelling together and, and being cohesive. And it felt like that was a little bit of them telling on themselves for last year's team and sort of where things went. Uh, again, a lot of guys came back. I think that Johnny was not expecting. I don't think he expected Mayhan to come back. I don't think he expected Darius Perry to come back. Um, so a lot of those guys come back. You don't expect it. It kind of jams up your rotation. Uh, perhaps there wasn't a lot of synergy. A lot of those pieces didn't didn't fit. Um, Darren Green obviously was, was coming back off a off a tough year the year prior. So maybe this is a, a, a new opportunity, a fresh start, a clean slate, some hungry guys, some veteran guys who kind of want to play together and, and just figure it out. But the, the you know the, what's the chemistry going to be is going to be a big challenge because these these kids don't know each other. They haven't been playing together. There there's a bunch of chatter that some of these preseason games that they played, um, you know, just kind of friendly scrimmages that UCF has looked really good and, and blown some teams off the court. I believe it when I see it. I may see it tonight against UNC Asheville. I don't know, but. There's there's a glimmer of op- I'm I'm still in there, Mike. I'm a glimmer of optimism. I still feel like there's an opportunity here. Well, that's what opening it's always, the, it's always the teams you don't you, you least expect some, right? It's always the teams that you're like, oh wow, we're really good. Like it's always those teams that kind of sneak up on you. Could this be that year? Could this be that team? Those have been Johnny's best teams early in his the first yeah. couple of years. Remember, I think it was his second year. We weren't expecting anything out of that team, and they got a lot out of them. And those teams, what they specialized in was playing tough, hard nosed defense. And I think that's something that. Even if you don't have the talent on offense, you can't, you know, there's no substitute for hustle. And these guys, if they come out here and play hard, I think that can make them a fun team to watch. Again, they opened up tonight, Monday night against UNC Asheville. By the time you listen to this, you'll know if they won or lost. So please don't tell us. Friday, Mike, we welcome Florida State uh, to uh, to Orlando for uh, for that one. And then uh, we go to the Bahamas for the holiday time. And, and right after the holiday, Mike, uh, uh, the 27th uh, Sunday, we have Miami coming to town. So uh, a pretty nice, interesting, early uh, non-con schedule. We'll be playing um, Oklahoma uh, and then either DePaul or Santa Clara in the Bahamas. So a couple of uh, Power 5 teams, Oklahoma State, excuse me, a couple of Power 5 teams early on in the season. I guess we'll figure out how good they really are. Right, and then don't forget, down here in South Florida, we play against Missouri, I believe, in the uh, Orange Bowl Classic, uh, December 17th. Pretty interesting schedule here. Good, big home games against Florida State and Miami. Could be fun. Um, We play a school called Tarleton State. I've never heard of that. Where is that located? Uh, Great question. Hold on. uh, Texas, it looks like. All right. So, I mean, we do this every year. You've got how many games – before we get to conference play, uh, about three, five, 12, seven, somewhere. nine, 11, 12, 13. My math is right. All right. So where do we want to be? Some of these games should be wins. I mean, we're looking at tonight's game. If we lose tonight's game to UNC Asheville, do we just, you know, wrap up <laughs> on the season? Do we, 
Uh, Asheville, are they a decent team? I feel like I've seen their name in the tournament before. Yeah, so um, another uh, fun feature, if you go to our website, uh, which is right now, twonightsmedia.com, um, we have a, a contributor, John Weir, who is uh, going to write some articles, Mike, and we may have a chance to put them on the uh, on the site there, where he previews uh, the opponents uh, coming up for us. Uh, so he has a write-up on UNC Asheville. Again, not useful to you now, because by the time you heard this, the game has already uh, gone on. But uh, they're they're not a terrible team. They, they, they have some returning um, uh, firepower. They've never pick to finish second or third in their conference. Uh, they are a team that you've heard from in the past. So I don't, I don't suspect this was going to be a walkover um, uh, by any stretch. I don't think this is Tarleton state, although they're probably pretty good too. All right. And the game is about to tip off. Now I'm trying to get a, a peek at the crowd. Doesn't obviously I'm not expecting a sellout, but uh should be a decent turnout. The students at least for an eight 30 on a Monday, we should have a, a pretty solid uh, turnout there. I'd love nothing more than us to be a good basketball school. You know how much I love basketball. I, I grew up playing basketball. It's always been sort of my favorite sport. I'd love nothing more for us to be a good basketball school. I really just wish for it. I just hope for it. I mean, we're going to get clobbered in the Big 12, particularly if we bring Gonzaga over. We're never going to win a game in that conference. Like, <laughs> we're going to go over every year. It's going to be ugly. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, that's going to be a fun conference to play in if we ever can get competitive. I mean, those would be big games every single night in that conference. Uh, on the road, tough places to play. Our place could be a tough place to play too. Uh, if you listen to uh, Samson, the coach of Houston, last week I was addressing a bunch of boosters and he was talking about how rowdy the crowd was down in Orlando last year and how the students get into it and they're at the game an hour before tip-off talking trash to the players. Um, if this team can be good, if this Hendricks kid can turn out to be a superstar, if they're playing good, tough defense and make it something fun for people to want to go see, um, you never know. You never know. But uh, this is gonna. This is a big year for John. Now we're down two nothing. The season's over. Well, you're you're ahead of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> interesting. Shot, interesting note off the top, though, Mike. Uh, the starting lineup appears to be Jalen Young uh, at uh, at the point guard, not Darius Johnson. Uh, Brandon Suggs, Ethel Horton, um, Taylor Hendricks, the freshman, and Michael Durr. So no Darius Johnson. Uh, and uh, again, C.J. Walker, I believe, is still going to be injured. So no C.J. Walker. So Darius Johnson coming off the bench here. Uh, but the true freshman Hendricks gets the uh, start. His first shot as a night is an air ball. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you can always tell how the season's going to go by the first shot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> His first shot, air ball. But it looked like you know, it looked like it was online. Like it was too. It was too high. Too hard. <laughs> too hard. All right, let's get back to uh, let's get back to football here. We got the Gus Malzahn translator fired up here. We'll keep an eye on basketball. You're going to be groaning about it throughout the entirety of the show, so a treat for you. Uh, Gus Malzahn meets the media, Mike, when he does. He says stuff and never means anything. Luckily, we're here. We have the Gus Malzahn translator. I'm going to play a sound for you, Mike, and then uh, you're going to tell me what Gus really meant to say. One of my new favorite Gus-isms is when uh, somebody asks him about the opposing coach or somebody on the opposing team. Uh, and the way Gus describes it, he was asked to describe, uh, yeah, d d describe uh, Willie Fritz, the head coach from Tulane. Yeah, I mean, he's a football coach. Everybody in the coaching world knows he's a real football coach and the way he's come come about. And I've always been impressed with with his teams. And, you know, he's an old school, tough guy, man. And, and that's really what stands out to me. And, and it doesn't surprise me that they're in the situation they are with him being the head coach. All right, Mike. So he's a coach. He's a real football coach, and he's an old school tough guy. What does any of that mean? I don't know anything about this guy. <laughs> I don't even know his name, to be honest. But I know he's coaching at Tulane. I don't think I've ever faced him before. 
but I'm going to give you my standard answer of he's a real football coach. He must be a real football coach because his team's playing pretty well. They're playing real football so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I just love that's my new favorite answer for Gus. I would say he's a he's a real team now. That's a real coach. That's a real player. Uh, so I like that everyone's a, a real something rather, Mike. All right, he was asked about the uh, Isaiah Bowser touchdown pass. I thought it was pretty good. You know, I mean, that, that was real good. You know, we've been working on that for for uh, over a year and waiting for the right moment, and that was the right moment. And you know, that was that was a big play on third down and four. All right, you couldn't see the video uh, if you're not watching this, Mike, but uh, a big smile on Gus's face when he said it was a good throw. Gus never smiles. What would you take of that? Yeah, that was a great call by me. Uh, yeah, I've been <laughs> setting this thing up for a year. Remember, I, I, I tried something similar to this against Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl with the um, – what's the kid's name again? Gatewood. Didn't, work, yep. didn't look as good back then, but uh, I nailed it here again against Memphis with this call. Yeah, he's so proud of himself. He had that thing in the bag for a while. Um, you know, we'll figure out the right time to use it. Now, I guess Tulane has to scout it. So can we run it again, Mike? Is this a play that you can run a second time? Now Tulane's going to be ready for it if we try to run it again. But can you trick him off this one? It could be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you'd run it in back-to-back weeks. So you got to kind of set it up again. Uh, maybe there's another little wrinkle to it. Maybe he comes up with something else. Maybe there's like a little uh, shovel pass or something. Yeah. You know, you got Bowser there in the wild night. Maybe you get O'Keefe coming over on the jet sweep and you can do something else that way. I, I'm not sure, but I'm sure Gus can come up with a little wrinkle for us. Quick basketball update. We're down 6-1. We're terrible. All right, Mike, here's the uh, <laughs> here's the next uh, the next quote. Uh, somebody asked, uh, obviously, Gus, who's going to be quarterback? Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll play that day by day and, um, and see where we're at. Let's go. All right, so <laughs> everything's day by day, Mike. We'll see where we're at. This is the last week I can use this answer, right? Because yes, yes. not everybody knows the health status of John Rice Plumley, except for the people here in this building. We haven't really given you guys everything. We've been saying day by day. Um, Mikey got the start this past week. It was just the, the week after the hit. If Mikey starts again this week, I pretty much have to announce he is my starting quarterback. I'm not going to do that today because why am I going to give Tulane five days to study Mikey tape when they can also be studying John Rice Plumley at the same time. And if, if that takes away even an hour of their preparation, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious what he's going to do, Mike. I, again, I think everyone thinks the decision is pretty easy. Um, and, you know, we're all going to look at the, the efficiency of the offense and say it's got to be Mikey's ball. But I don't know, man. Yeah, let me let me quote the great J.P. Gilbert when I say um, – I would drive Gus to the retirement home tomorrow. Uh, I, I, who knows? Uh, I think he also called him a crazy person. Who knows what Gus is going to do, Mike? So we will see there. By the way, basketball still sucks. We're on 8-1. Looks like Darius Johnson's injured and not playing. Mike, he's in street clothes on the side, so it's probably why he's not getting the start. Uh, but uh, we uh, we look dreadful. Johnny has a suit on, Mike. All right, um, let's get into this one. Um, this is probably the maybe your favorite play of the entire game. Gus was asked to describe what the hell happened. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I give my asterisks because, yeah, that, that wasn't real wise of me, probably even even trying to draw a guy off sides right there, looking back. So I don't think that'll happen again. But, yeah, I'm going to give him a big asterisk. For... So our guy Trace Trelko asking if, uh, if Colton Boomer gets an asterisk for that missed field goal. <laughs> there, I didn't think there was any chance in hell they were going to try that kick. 64 yards <laughs> when he when he even sent them out there we were all looking at each other like what are we doing i think this might have been i don't know if this is the first time jp called him insane but it, it was <laughs> it was one of these times one of and, yeah, I assume. and i i figured you know they have to just be trying to draw them off sides and then they're gonna punt 
And then he snapped it. Didn't he say it? Didn't he play it in that clip there? But he said he wasn't supposed to snap it, right? Yeah, that wasn't this press conference, but he he alleges that uh, um, that the the goal the entire time was to try to draw them off sides, and that for some reason Alex Ward snapped the ball, and which is why if you actually watch that back, I watched it back. We actually had Colton Boomer on the live show on Thursday, which is still available by the way on YouTube, uh, and he said that he does his little hip shimmy before a kick uh, to kind of get himself uh, in check. He didn't really even shimmy before this. I, I think he had no expectation that the ball was coming, uh, and all of a sudden it's down there. He still took a good whack at it, but. Uh, Here's my problem, Mike. Everybody in their mother knows that, you know, he's not making a 64-yard kick. So why on earth would Memphis jump off sides there, <laughs> right? It isn't like, hey, this kick can make it. We better get it on the edge, uh, maybe get a block here. He's better off putting Mikey Keene back out there and try to do some sort of hard count, fake slap situation. No one was going to fall for us and jump off sides on a 64-yard field goal. I, th- that didn't make any sense to begin with. No, I don't know what the heck he was doing. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I still can't explain it. And – if you're Alex Ward, what are you doing? <laughs> if you know the play is to not kick the ball, why are you snapping it? Unless he thought somebody jumped off sides and he's trying to just, you know, he saw maybe. something out of the corner of his eye, maybe. It's possible. It's possible he felt like that. Maybe he thought that, um, you know, maybe he thought he heard an audible call or something, or maybe the the the, you know, the holder put his hand down like he wanted the ball or something. I, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I find it hard to believe that Alex Ward is like one of the smartest human beings on earth. Uh, you'd think that that would be a, a mental mistake that he wouldn't make, but uh, apparently we were wrong, Mike. All right, the last one um, coming from, and I, and I usually don't leave the questions uh, in, in these clips. Uh, as you would see, Asheville is just on fire right now. 16-7, we are down early, Mike. Uh, I usually don't leave the questions in this clip, but uh, I got to give it to uh, our, our new UCF food critic, Mr. Brandon Helwig, who is uh, who's always on the beat, always on the scene with the local cuisine, Mike. And he tried to get Gus on the... Uh, on the Louisiana uh, Cajun uh, uh, scene, Gus wasn't having it. You like Cajun food? Man, I'm not going there. You got, you guys <laughs> a little jambalaya, shrimp, shrimp creole, uh, yeah, yeah, gumbo. I've recruited down there a lot. Yeah, I'll eat all that stuff. <laughs> I, I like a little everything. How about that? I just like that Brandon starts off with, you like Cajun food? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You fool me once. Shame on. Shame on you. Yeah. You fooled me twice. You can't get fooled again. Uh, I'm not falling for this trick again, Brandon. <laughs> and, and if you pull up this food question again, I mean, anymore this year, I'm going to have you kicked out of here. Uh, and no more first questions from you. No more last questions out of you if this is what's going to be. Well, this is the last time because there's not a Tampa food, right? Like Tampa did. Like, so you like strip clubs? I mean, there's really nothing he can ask us for Tampa. <laughs> so this was this is it. This is the last one, right? Because the next, uh, next game, obviously, is Navy at home. Um, so th- this is it, right? Tampa claims to be the home of the Cuban sandwich. I mean, there's a big debate whether it's Tampa or Miami. Who has the best Cuban sandwich? Ooh. Tampa claims that they are the. I'm going to need you to send that to Brandon in the DMs. I don't maybe I don't know if he's aware of this. I'm not sure. I, you may need to DM Brandon that one. Yeah, I don't know what else Tampa would be known for food wise. Strip clubs. That was. Yeah. So is it is it Mons yeah. Venus or is it Space Odyssey 2001, whatever the other place is called? I, I yeah. If Brandon asks that question, yeah. he will be my new hero. Well, this sure, I will yeah. I will make Robert donate a hundred dollars to his charity if uh, if Brandon asks that question on uh, on the next press conference. That would be fantastic. Uh, can we get Trace to do it? Trace will never I do. Think, I don't think he he did ask the asterisk question. That was a Trace Trucko special where he said, "Does uh, does does he get an asterisk?" And Gus looked at him and said, "What do you think?" <laughs> I feel like he went to fight Trace on that one. I don't know. Uh, I can, All right, that's. Can- the- you think Gus is a uh, Mons Venus guy? I can't see him there. 
Ever or currently? Ever. He's a yeah. He's a real football coach, Mike. <laughs> he's a football <laughs> coach. He's a real football coach. I mean, that's what yeah, after the big game, that's what they do. You know. All right. Speaking of that, cows fired their football coach. By the way. Yes, they did. And uh, where did they go? I mean, they, they, I've seen rumors today of John Gruden. I saw that. Uh, yeah. Scott Frost is on the short list. Um, who else? The the, the FAMU head coach. I don't Simmons, know they, yeah. who can they afford and who wants to be the cow, the new cow coach. It's a great question. Maybe some sort of a coordinator uh, would would be your option there, but uh, who the hell knows, Mike? All right, let's do uh, let's do headlines really quickly. Uh, we'll get this out of the way, Mike. Uh, each week we we tell you what's going to happen before it happens. I think we got last week's right because I think we had a win predicted in most of our headlines, Mike. Uh, I'll let you lead off first with uh, your first headline. Harvey shreds wave. RJ with another big day on the ground. I nailed it on this one last week. I said he was a ground dog, RJ Harvey, and he's been the best running back on the team for the last few weeks. Now, the, the whole uh, riding the wave, I got this headline inspired by our boy Jeb Shred. So uh, oh, shredding nice. waves, and job. I expect Harvey to do it again on the ground. If, the, if he has another big game, then I feel good. If they shut Harvey down, then I don't like our chances in this game. <laughs> okay. All right. That's Mike's first headline. Here is mine. The full Monty super senior comes up big for the de- uh, for, on defense for the Knights. That's an- uh, Anthony Montalvo. Uh, we haven't heard his name much, Mike. I feel like he's usually big uh, uh, in, in one game. He makes a couple of key stops or uh, makes a key depends- uh, defensive play. So also trying to play off the, uh, the the tawdry scene in New Orleans. So I go full Monty. I think Montalvo makes a big play, Mike. Maybe it's a strip sack. Maybe it's a, a big sack. Maybe it's a fumble. I don't know, but I'm going to go full Monty. All right, well, we need this guy to do something. We need somebody on the defensive line to make some plays because that's uh, that's been hit or miss some points during the season. Even Either they're making big plays or they're not getting any sacks or any pressure. Uh, we're going to need to create some kind of havoc in the backfield. Good God, our basketball team is dreadful. All right, Mike. <laughs> what the, so you're, uh, you're, uh, here's the problem. I have to keep looking up at the see who these guys are. Like I have to keep looking at my uh, my sheet here to see who uh, apparently CJ Kelly now in the game. So congrats to CJ Kelly. All right. Your next headline, Mike. Big, easy decision. Malzahn sticks with Keen as QB one. And I think we discussed this earlier in the show. I think it is an easy, easy decision. Obviously we're going to new Orleans known as the big easy. Um, Keen has proven to be the better quarterback over the last two weeks. And I believe deserves to be the starting quarterback this week and going forward for the rest of the year. The hat chew just hit the bottom of the rim on a reverse layup. Mike. Um, <laughs> yes. You would think that uh, Mikey Keene has done enough. You would think that this is a, a relatively easy decision, but uh, it's, it's tough to quit your first. And I think, uh, you know, Gus fell in love with JRP and loves his skill set, loves what he can do. Uh, it even felt like, did you, uh, did you guys pick up during the game? I'm not sure how much you were watching. There was one point where Mikey did something and Gus looked like he was literally having an aneurysm on the sideline. Like he had his hands in his head. Like he looked like he had just, you know, just sm- smelled something like terrible. I feel like I never saw that when JRP was quarterback. Yeah, we did notice that. We were laughing about it too. Uh, how he wouldn't have done that if, if it was JRP. And then how about that moment in the game where Plumlee comes onto the si- off the sideline and, he, and Beth Moen says, John Rice Plumlee coming Plumlee into the game. In the game. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we all looked at each other and said, there's no, how he, there, he cannot be bringing him in the game. If he's going to play him, he should have started him. There's no way you can bring him. And this was early. This was, I think, yeah. still first quarter, middle of the first quarter. We, we almost all lost our minds at the same time. 
Yes, I was losing my mind at home because I was like, there's no way this is actually happening. I thought maybe they were going to do one of those series deals where he's going to get a couple of plays. Uh, but luckily, Beth Moens uh, didn't figure that out. Mike, quick update on Lahat Chu. His second touch, he traveled. So we've now hit the bottom of the rim on our reverse layup, and we have a turnover. Here's my uh, my second headline. Low tide. Tulane's special teams errors propelled Knights to victory, Mike. I think it's about time. We need a nice big special teams play. You're going to win a tough game on the road. A big special teams play really, really helps out. Uh, I think a nice we've, – we've seen some block punts this year so far, maybe a block field goal, which we've seen before. I need a big special teams play. It's been a couple of weeks now since we've done something. I think if you want to win on the road, you really would like that third phase to come up and, uh, and step up big, Mike. So give me a big block of some sort, maybe a, a fumble recovery, but I, I need a special teams play uh, against Tulane. Well, you know I've been calling for the Xavier Townsend touchdown all year. This would be a great spot for it. If he could pull it off this week, X going to give it to you. Uh, he hasn't really broken any decent runs the last couple of weeks. I think he's due. Um, he's fearless back there. If you get him some space, I think he can make something happen. All right, Mike, in your final headline. Jumbo Laya. Big fellas up front stuffed run in the night's win. This was how we won the game against Cincinnati. We completely dominated them on the ground, only allowed 35 yards rushing. We got to do something similar to that this week. The defense has to make this team a one-dimensional offense, and it starts with stuffing them on the ground. The big guys up front, Ricky Barber, Traymond Morris-Brash, Selescar, Montalvo you mentioned earlier, all got to get up there and make this team beat you in the air. Yeah, we've got to stop the run, Mike. We've we've got to find ways to get off the field on third down. Um, Tulane likes throwing the football a, a bunch. Uh, they have some uh, some speedy backs. Michael Pratt will also take the ball and run a little bit. So being able to stop the run is going to be is going to be big in this game. Um, you know, we get to your point. We didn't get a ton of push against uh, against Memphis. Definitely would love to see some uh, some more pressure on the quarterback. Love to see us being able to play on the other, on the other side of the line of the scrimmage. Uh, hopefully, the uh, the big guys up front can figure that out, Mike. My last. New Orleans themed headline. Show me your TDs. Knights receiving deal. Catch TDs in win. I think Hudson and Baker have been uh, on a roll of late. Uh, again, Mikey Keene seems to have a good connection with Kobe Hudson. We know what Javon Baker can do. I like both these guys getting in the end zone again this week, Mike. Uh, you've got RJ Harvey scoring. I'd love both Hudson and Baker to get in there and get a, uh, get a score. So show me your TDs. Knights receiving deal. Each catch TD in win. I can get behind that for sure. Um, you know, th- be throwing beads around on the sideline. Um, we need Hudson ha- has been pretty consistent now for the last couple of weeks. He needs to keep that up. Baker, just no drop passes. How about that out of the receiving group? Only Anything one drop this close? week. Only one drop, I think, this week was uh, Ryan O'Keefe. Right. So if Mikey's putting them in catchable spots, you know, make the plays, make the catch first, and then worry about running with the football and do what these guys have done best all year is yards after the catch. Um, Yak. Yep. And, you know, they need a big game. Everybody needs to be on their game this week if we expect to win. Well, it sounds like it by reading our headlines, both of us expect a night's victory. You know, and this is typical of us. Anytime we win a game the very next week, we expect to win the next one. And if we lose, then we expect to lose the following week. So we're being optimistic, I believe. I I think we are the better team. I don't know if Tulane's been tested yet this year. I think we're going to be their toughest matchup coming in. So I feel confident that we're going to go in there and win this game. 
All right, we shall see Saturday, 3.30, obviously, be there in front of your TV. I know a bunch of people are going to New Orleans, which is awesome. I low-key thought about it, Mike. If game day had gone there, I, I already looked up some flights. They're not as cheap as I hoped they would be. I low-key looked into figuring out. I haven't been to New Orleans in, I don't know, like 15 years now. So I low-key thought about it, but uh, flights were a little bit pricier than I wanted to. And then, you know, game day's not going there. And I was like, I have a couch, so I'll do that. Yeah, um, I looked up flights, too. They were not cheap. Then you got to figure in hotel and yeah. spending money. I mean, it'd be a fun night there. I mean, after the game, the game's over by seven. You still have all night to go down on Bourbon Street and have a good time. Uh, you can make a full weekend out of it. Everybody seemed to have a good time in Memphis this past weekend. I saw a lot of videos and pictures out there. Um, I think our boy Robert is thinking about going to the Tulane this week, too. He, he was putting so. a little survey out there. He was trying to do a, a day trip, I saw. Yeah. Um, uh, that's fun. Uh, and this is a big game to do it. Who would have thought? before the season started that this is going to be the biggest road game on the schedule um not too many people would have picked that oh yeah i need to go back to our preseason predictions because we took we've talked about the games that were most important i don't think either one of us had this game <laughs> anywhere close to being circled right i think we had smu we had cincinnati we had louisville um, but i don't think we had tulane anywhere near the top of that list no even talking about road games we thought east carolina was going to be a tough one and we were right about um a lot of people say memphis is a tough place to play uh, the Cal game, obviously, at the end of the year. Tulane's probably not even on the top of this list. But city-wise, it's probably one of the most fun. I haven't, I've never been to, to New Orleans. Hmm. Um, everybody says it's a good time. Everybody says it's a dump, really. But it's, it's yeah, a it's fun. Not, it's not like a, a beautiful spot to go hang out in. Uh, <laughs> if you're looking to uh, to just have some have a good time and get some get some drinks, you're in a good spot. But, yeah, it's not, it's not pretty. Right. Nice well, well, everybody that's going this week should have a good time, especially if we win. Right, before you do that, though, you might want to get some gear. So go to homefieldapparel.com, Mike, or for you to their website right now. They have a bunch of UCF gear there, a couple of new shirts that dropped recently. Uh, they have the black with the gold Knights script, which is really cool. Super comfortable, super soft shirts, Mike. They're made by fans for fans. Uh, you're in luck because we are partnered with the 1012 Network. We can offer you an exclusive deal. Promo code is SUNS12 at checkout on your first order, and you get 15% off. That's 1-5% off your first order. Use SUNS12 at checkout. Maybe you need a new shirt for basketball season. We've come back a little bit, Mike, 1610 now as we're talking. So maybe it's maybe it's working the kinks out. But if you need a new shirt to uh, uh, to get the basketball games this year, again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code SUNS12, get you 15% off your first purchase. Let's uh, let's pause. We'll watch some basketball for a minute. We'll come back, and Mike will tell you who's going to win this week. We are sponsored by Gordon & Partners. This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajri, and in my spare time when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge up. Woo-wee, Mike. It's time for your picks. Uh, and I saw your results. You, you were a bit of a heater this week, Mike. So you are you're definitely uh, making some stuff happen here uh, with your picks. So I can't wait to get to those, which we're going to do in a second, Mike. But again, we got to tell you more about what we're doing with prize picks, Mike. It's an app where you download this thing and you have an opportunity to, uh, uh, to, to make selections, uh, on, uh, on individual players, right? You can do how many rushing yards, uh, passing touchdowns, uh, you know, interceptions, if you want fantasy football type scoring, uh, it's a pretty cool app. They have college football, NFL, 
uh, pretty much any sport that you would want, you can get off prize picks. You download this app, Mike. Our promo code is SUNS12. When you deposit up to $100, they will match that deposit 100%. So you put 100 in, they put 100 in, you now have 200 that you can go ahead and uh, and, and play with here. Uh, there's sometimes some UCF players in there. You can get some interesting uh, action on UCF guys as well, too. So download prize picks. Again, I know the season's kind of winding down. If you haven't done this yet, you're on the fence, you're, you're thinking about it. You only got like three or four weeks left. So don't uh, don't delay. Get in there pretty quickly. Um, you're going to watch these games anyway. You already are spending too much time watching football. If you're listening to us this far on the show, you must really love football. Um, so you might as well download this app again. Promo code is SUNS12. Get yourself a deposit match, 100% up to $100, Mike. Uh, let's get to your picks in a second here. Um, can I get a prize uh, uh, or a pool tracker update here? How are we doing the pool tracker, Mike? This week, yes, we were on fire, my friend. You mentioned I'm, I am on a heater. Oh man! Last week I went three and zero here on the show picks. I'm eight and one the last three weeks here on the pool tracker. I went six and zero. So did you? We got them all right. Wow! Me and you now are tied thirty nine and forty one each, almost at five hundred. We just blew right by Trace Troco, who's stuck at thirty six and forty four. Um, we still have a long way to go to catch the leaders, Jacob UCF and Sanford Knight. They're at fifty one and twenty nine. But my next goal now is to get to 500, which I did here on my show picks because now for the season here, I'm 16 and 14, two games over 500. I won last week with Tulane and Tulsa. I uh, I had Tulane in that one, giving up seven and a half. I won with Navy getting points against Cincinnati. They only won. They only lost by 10. And I won with the cow, the uh, Temple game against the Cows. Temple was the underdog to the Cows. Blew them out, three and zero, and I—I I mean, this thing is gonna. I don't see any end in sight here for my my heater. So I got three more winners for you if you're ready for them. <laughs> I don't want your heater to come to an end anytime soon, Mike. What, what what do you got? I got game number one, SMU minus seventeen and a half at the cows. The Mustangs scored seventy-seven points against Houston this past week. They scored 56 in the first half. Incredible. Tanner Mordecai, nine touchdowns, 379 yards. They're going up against the Cows, who are in complete disarray right now. Just fired Jeff Scott, their head coach. They gave up 54 points to Temple this past week, including 38 of those in the second half of the game. The Cows, in the last three weeks, have given up a 100 and 41 points. They are absolutely dreadful. Probably the worst team in the country right now. Um, I don't care if the ponies were favored by 50 points in this game. I'd still take them to cover the spread. Last wow. year, they beat the Cows 41-17. This is going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly fast. You think they're going to score more than 70? They may score 100 points. You put together their offense and the Cow defense. I'm not surprised if they get to 80 maybe even 90 points in this game. Give me the ponies to cover 17 and a half easily that they cover that spread by a half. <laughs> You're probably right. I, it just feels like sometimes if something's too easy, too, too easy to be right, that sometimes it can't be right. But the cows are in disarray. Uh, they fired the defensive coordinator. They fired their head coach. 
Uh, they've got basically a, a half a staff here, a lot of guys injured. This is very much easy mail-it-in time for them. Not a lot to play for, probably until they play us, and they're going to play like the best team in, in, in the nation at that point, right? But uh, SMU has probably still scored a touchdown against Houston. So this feels like the right move, but it's just so easy that it feels like there's something something wrong about it. But you're probably right. Yeah, sometimes these lines, there's when there's a lot of points, you get a little nervous. I'm not nervous at all. I think SMU easily yeah. covers this, but SMU is a good football team. They're not bad. I mean, the the way we beat them up was actually kind of surprising. The way we beat them so easily in the second half of that game, they've been playing pretty well since then. Seventy seven points against Houston. I mean, and Houston is a much better team than Cal. Houston blew out the cows. And the cows just have no defense at all. Um, I see that Houston uh, SMU putting up at least seventy points again. All right, game number two. Game number two, East Carolina. I saw two different spreads on this one. So when I did the Vegas Insider, they were plus 10 and a half at Cincinnati. On the pool tracker, they're plus six and a half. So that, that does, you know, maybe make me rethink things a little bit. The Bearcats have dominated the series since 2002. They've won 10 of the last 11 meetings. East Carolina's last win in Cincinnati was all the way back in 2001. But somehow East Carolina still leads the all-time series 13 to 12. They had a they had their number there for a long time in the 90s. Um, but the Pirates have been hot lately. You know, they've won three in a row. They beat Memphis in overtime. We know what they did to us a couple weeks ago. And then they had a nice win at BYU the following week. They're coming off a bye. They're nice and fresh. Meanwhile, Cincinnati just got done playing Navy, a tough 10-point game. You know, it's always tough. The week after playing Navy, you know, you're beat up a little bit. And this is coming off the week after playing UCF, where they had a, a real tough emotional game. So they're kind of wearing down the Bearcats a little bit. Um, they haven't won a game by more than 10 points since September. They had a close game against the Cows, where they won by four. They had a close game against SMU. They won by two. They beat Tulsa and Navy by 10 points each. But they're not really putting teams away like you think they should be. And I think the Pirates actually... Still alive in the conference race. This is a big game for them. I think this is going to be a close one. It's a close game. I think Cincinnati may still win. When, I, when it was 10 and a half, I easily take East Carolina. You know what? I'm still going to take East Carolina, even though it's only Ooh. six and a half. I think this is maybe a field goal game. It's a Friday night game. Uh, it's going to be a pretty good atmosphere there in Cincinnati, you would think. But give me the Pirates because they're playing well lately, and Cincinnati has not been that impressive. I'd like it better if it was at ECU and that, then I'd like it a lot better um, because obviously we, we see how they play there, but I, I don't know what to make this ECU team. Obviously they, they, they handled us pretty easily. You know, there's some conspiracy theories why that is. Um, you know, we, we know what Cincinnati is offensively, you know, can ECU do the same thing, slow the pace of the game down, you know, be super efficient. I just don't know how they are on the road. So I, I want to go ECU here, but I feel like a, 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 on the road, if it's six and a half, that's uh I feel like Cincy can, can win this one by by touchdown. They could. They could. But I, I expect this to be a, a tough game. Uh, maybe a three-point game either way. I give, I give East Carolina a chance to win this one outright. Okay. I'll, I'll right, take you. it. It would be interesting for our, our standings, but I'll take it. Yeah. Um, game number three, Temple. They're getting 20 and a half points at Houston. Um. And this is a Houston team that, like I just told you, gave up 11 touchdowns against SMU this past week. And that basically eliminates them. Yeah, they're still technically alive with two conference losses. But 
their strength of schedule is not looking good. So if it comes down to tiebreakers, they're not going to have it over us or Cincinnati or SMU now. So, or Tulane. So they're pretty much done now. Houston is, um, they lead the all time series here seven to one, but the last game they played in Houston temple won back in 2018 temple. Now scoring 54 points against the cows this past week. EJ Warner looks like he can put up enough points to keep this one closer than three touchdowns, I believe. And I think the Owls are playing with a little bit of confidence now coming off this past week after embarrassing the Cows. And I've said it all year about Houston. They're just an undisciplined team. They turn the ball over. They have all kinds of stupid penalties every week. Give me the Owls. I think they can keep this one at least within three touchdowns. I don't think they're going to win this game on the road. But I can see it being, you know, I don't know. 31 17 game or something not losing by three touchdowns. So give me temple. Yeah, this is not a tough one. Cause I don't know what Houston's got left in the tank. Obviously that they were, you know, everyone thought they were going to be the darling of the AAC. I think they were picked number one by most media pundits in the conference. And clearly that hasn't, uh, hasn't materialized. You know, they're going to the big 12. I think they all hate Dana Holgerson. So are they going to play hard? What's going to happen with this season? So this is a tricky one because they should be better than temple. But I don't know whether psyche is uh, right now after uh, after an interesting game against SMU and some of the things they've uh, been through this year. So give me, uh, uh, I'm gonna go Houston. I don't know. <laughs> I don't All know. Right. I mean, Temple is not a good team. We we know that. But they just they just smacked the cows around. Maybe they got some yeah. confidence now. It's at Houston though. Is the other, the other, the other problem? Yeah. Uh, I figure 20 and a half. If Temple could just scrap together 20 points at this game, that means Houston's got to score over 40. Um, I'm not saying that's impossible to do against Temple, but, you know, that's just too many points for me to take. All right. Look, I'm not, you're on a heater. I am, I'm clearly not in a position that I am going to challenge uh, your authority, but those are your picks, Mike, and they are always legendary as well. By the way, basketball update we've crept back in this thing 26 21 now. Six minutes to play here in the first half. Uh, we're not playing fantastic, but uh, you never know what will happen next. Uh, so stay tuned to the Suns UCF if you're not watching this live, or if you already did and now you want to see how Mike and I react to it. Uh, we may do a little bit more of that coming up on Cow of the Week, which is next. We're brought to you by Gordon and Partners. We'll be right back after this. Okay, Sons of UCF, both of you, you are the Let's do some cow of the week here. Mike cow of the week is brought to you by our good friends at poor choice. Mike, uh, again, if you want to head down uh, this weekend, I believe another watch party taking place at poor choice, one, two, two, five mills Avenue. That's where you can find them in the mills, 50 district, uh, 50 taps, uh, no waiting in line. Mike, you want a beer, you get your beer, you pour your beer, you go watch the game. Uh, it's that simple. They have wine. Uh, I think they have some seltzer on tap there too. Food trunks, food trucks, games, all that stuff will be there. Uh, TV's on the inside to watch the game. So, uh, poor choice is, a, is ne- never a poor choice to go to poor choice. Uh, one, two, two, five Mills Avenue again. 50 taps, endless possibilities. Like a big giant keg party, Mike. People hanging out, drinking beer, watching football. What more do you need? Make sure you get down there. Poor choice uh, for your watch party, Mike. Being a cow is also a poor choice. Plenty of options here today. You've got a, a, a full list. You're excited. I've never seen Mike so excited about a cow the weak list as i have right now so i'm gonna get out of his way so i can hear what his cows are yeah a couple options here to go with i'm okay. re-watching one, this one play right now iowa football their offense has been so bad all mm-hmm. season they won a game earlier this year where they didn't 
I think they kicked two field goals and had a safety or maybe a, no, it was a field goal and two safeties, I believe to get to seven earlier in the year. Um, they have just been absolutely the worst offense in college football. Well, this week there's a play where they're down here by the, they're at the four yard line and they've got a, <laughs> a receiver coming around on a jet sweep and the guy snaps the ball and the, the receiver and the running back both go for the handoff and collide into each other. <laughs> both fall over. Uh, just a hilarious play. If you see it, um, that, I, that sums up their whole season right there on offense. Just that one play. Uh, it's just dreadful. So that was one option. The other one was IMG Academy <laughs> football school down here in Florida powerhouse. Yes. I understand. They're very good. They played a game this past week that had to be stopped at halftime. They were playing against a team called West Toronto Prep. Mm -hmm. The score at halftime, 96 to nothing. 96? How do you yeah. score 96 points in a half of football? How do you give up 96 points in a half of football? You have to score basically on every other play. I, I don't understand. I don't know how this... And, and how are the, these guys? These are the same team that played Bishop Sycamore a couple years ago, right? And uh, uh, wasn't it a real yes. school? I believe so, yes. <laughs> and completely destroyed those guys. Why are they even playing teams like this? And this team's from Toronto. Is this another fake school, this West Toronto prep? I don't, I don't know. Sounds like it's a real school, I think. Why are they scheduling IMG Academy, one of the best teams in the entire country? If you know, come on, you know if your team's any good. And these guys must know that they really suck going up against this team. And to stop it at halftime, why not just finish it at that point? I, I'm, I'm curious to see how many points they actually would have scored. Do you think they would have got to 200? It's possible. I'm also doing the math. They had to kick a field goal in there someplace, right? Um, unless they missed a few extra points, maybe. Or let's see. I mean, when you think they're up ninety-three, nothing. They went for the field goal. <laughs> like, I went, what do you think the field goal came into the equation, right? Ninety-six divided by seven is thirteen. Uh, so they had to kick the field goal at some point. Yeah, uh, maybe. Well, maybe I don't know when safe, it came. I maybe don't there's know a when. safety in there. The defense. You know, <laughs> so, you but... know what? That's probably fair. <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably fair. I need to get the box score in that game. What if there's a box score available for that one? When is it? IMG versus uh, Toronto Prep. West Toronto prep. I don't want to um, box score. Okay, I have the box score. Come up here, Mike. Here we go. Um, let's see what we got here. You see the times of the scores? No, 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 I mean, no, they no, must no. have scored six times in the first three minutes of that game. I'm waiting for it here. Hold on. I have a paywall situation here. Da, 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 da. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, no, that's not on there. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I don't have the box score. <laughs> But this IMG Academy is, I mean, they're ranked number 10, I think, in the country. Um, they're going to be up there. Playing for <laughs> here's another, I'm sorry. Here's a detail I did not know, Mike. So I'm sorry. It was 57 nothing after first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so they slowed down in the second quarter, actually. Yeah. Only put up 39 points. Uh, Apparently a number of defensive scores uh, were, were had. Yeah. Incredible. 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 Right. Those, those are good options. Nothing at halftime. Those are good options. I mean, you would think the Cows were playing defense in that game. Hey, you're not wrong. So those are my two Cows of the week: uh, Iowa football offense and West Toronto prep for even 
bothering to play IMG Academy. All right, I got a couple as well. I'll let you pick, Mike. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the Purdue game. They do this thing where they 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 have like people come out of the tunnel and they have like a small train. <laughs> the train got stuck on the field and <laughs> not actually get across the field. So Purdue's train uh, got stuck on the field. That was funny. Uh, did you see what Mike Leach did, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I did. So he uh, he said his receivers didn't deserve to to be sitting down, so he went to the bench and took all their folding chairs and threw them on the ground, so his receivers could not sit uh, during uh, I guess halftime or change of possessions. I thought that was great. Uh, I don't know if you watched the Washington Commanders uh, Minnesota Vikings game. Uh, a long touchdown catch by Curtis Samuel uh, came courtesy of the fact that the referee got in the way and blocked Harrison Smith, and they both fell to the ground. Curtis Samuel made a fantastic catch, uh, and then Mike. I think I can officially tell you this. I did some research. Um, I think I have some interesting information that I'm going to share with you right now. The U is not back, my friend. They got curb stomped by Florida State. Oh, my. It wasn't even close. That thing was over in a hurry, 45-3. The U is decidedly not back. That was ugly. Man. <laughs> this is a team that they were talking about before the year, competing for the Coastal Division. Top 15 in the preseason poll, Mike. Why do people fall for this team every year? I don't get it. Them in Texas, everybody. Mario Cristobal, and he's a great recruiter, and blah, 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 blah. Like, they, they, they were dreadful. Lost to Middle Tennessee State earlier already this year. They won a game, what was it, last week? When they didn't score a touchdown, it took them four overtimes to get to 14 points on the game. Um, they're bad. Really, really bad. They're not going to make a bowl game, right? How many wins do they have right now? Four? They're four and five right now. And I don't know who they have remaining on the schedule, but I can't see them winning two more games. I don't even know who they're playing. I don't care who they're playing. It doesn't matter who they're playing. When I just told you they lost to Middle Tennessee State and needed four overtimes to get 14 points against Virginia. So this is a Florida State team that we thought was okay. I mean, we didn't think they were great. They're, they're, they're a pretty good team, but I mean, they absolutely just, just took it to Miami from start to finish. It wasn't even funny. Yeah, this Florida State team, they've been playing better the last few weeks. And you know what? Even when they lost those three games in a row, weren't horrible. They had the NC State game, they should have won. The game they won at the beginning of the year against LSU, right now is looking like a good win. LSU is in the driver's seat in the SEC West, probably going to play in the championship game. Mm-hmm. So Florida State's not a bad team. I think they're pretty decent. But uh, to lose to them 45-3 to at home in front of a sellout crowd, this was supposed to be, you know, a big game for the Hurricanes, and they just did not show up at all. They certainly did not, Mike. A basketball update. Looks like we've crawled back in this a little bit. Um, still not playing our best at this point. Uh, UNC Asheville is uh, is uh, uh, making a bunch of shots. It's 35-28 as I say these words out loud uh, with about two minutes to go in the half, Mike. You're predicting you and I will not be on the show when this thing ends. Did you see if we win this game? Ooh, down six right now. And Okay, we have the ball. Um, two Ooh, minutes to go. Nice move. Oh, and he flexed on him too. Look at that. I love when he flexes on people. Oh, so you're a couple minutes. You're a couple seconds ahead of me. All right. All right. So four point game. Two minutes to play. We're at home. Maybe you know this first half. You kind of shake it off a little bit. Giving up 34 plus, probably going to be more points in the first half. Does not bode well for that. What I was saying earlier, playing tough defense. Um, on pace to give up about 70 here. Um. I hope we can pull this thing off. Maybe we can get hot here in the second half, but it's not looking good. Okay. 
Fantastic. Well, another quick uh, uh, story I want to get to. Uh, our, our good friend, uh, Dolly Drama, who is a fantastic follow on Twitter, he uh, he posted lookalike pictures of me, you, and Trace uh, this, <laughs> this morning. I'm not sure who's uh, more offended. I'm not sure who's is closer. I don't really know what to do with those pictures, Mike. Well, the guy that he posted for Trace is a dead-on ringer. <laughs> it's a dead ringer. He was. <laughs> I could have swore that was Trace. Yeah. And Trace is going <laughs> to deny that he even looks anything like him. Yes. Anytime somebody says there's a bald guy that looks like Tracy, he automatically says no. Yeah. But I mean, all bald guys kind of do look alike. Um, you, I mean, are you on steroids? <laughs> What's the deal with that guy? I never I heard know. of that guy before. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I, I certainly like to get in the gym. <laughs> like I didn't produce, I didn't visualize myself in that particular form per se. I, I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, Mia Sebastian Maniscalco. I mean, I guess I could kind of see it. I, I asked my wife, she says no, but I mean, she's a little biased. Right. I, I can see it. I mean, so, the, <laughs> everybody else kind of uh, had a good laugh with it, everybody kind of agreed with it. And they, our boy Prob said it was dead on, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, whatever, you know, I can take a joke. That's cool. With me. No, I was, it was I, good. I got, I, Brian W. Peterson said I look just like Colton Boomer. That's a stretch. I think it's just a long hair. That's that's just a stretch. I mean, I, I think it's the long hair. I could see how you get there. Um, but no, you, you, you're probably more Sebastian Maniscalco than you are uh, Golden Boomer if I had to if I had to pick between the two. Um, sure. Either way, that's cool. Well, either uh, way, you can check out uh, all three of us uh, on, on the live show, um, either the real or the, uh, the fake, I guess, on our live show. Mike, it's going to be on Thursday night at uh, 8 p.m., uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We'll be uh, we'll be there. Um, we'll talk about some stuff. I'm sure we'll have some Tulane stuff to talk about. Maybe some basketball. Um, you know, maybe some. Yeah, maybe 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 some, some football recap. Who knows what you're going to get? Yeah, I mean, the live show is uh, is live, live. and mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say going into the show. Actually, most times I have no idea what I'm about to say during the show. Um, hopefully, we're talking about a, a nice basketball victory. But, uh, I'll tell you this right now. This Taylor Hendricks is nice, in? Mike. He had a nice little turnaround, nice little and one here. He's about to cut the lead to one. I like this Taylor Hendricks. All right. All right. So, you know, I'm going to have to sign off here, catch the whole second half, and uh, I'm sure we'll be commenting on Twitter as the game comes down here to the end. Play the hoop and one hoop and harm. All right, uh, sons of UCF, we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna get out of here again. Uh, tune in Thursday night, eight o'clock. Me, Mike Trace, will be there. Make sure you download the show, like, subscribe, review, do all that good stuff. We appreciate you for that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We climbed over 800, uh, so uh, we want to keep that thing moving in that direction. So if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Tell a friend to subscribe. We'd uh, we appreciate that. I think you'll have some soccer videos coming out, Mike Lady Soccer in the tournament. Trace got some interviews. I'll be putting those up sometime in the next couple of days. Uh, so make sure that you are plugged into that. Everybody have a fantastic week. There's a storm out there, so take care of each other. It should be a hopefully an easier storm than last time, but you never know with these things. So everybody take care of each other. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, on Thursday. Go Knights. Charge home. Sports Social Podcast Network. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.